Rusty Quill presents. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet get 30, bet get 20, 20, 20, bet get 20, 20, bet get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey everybody, it's Tyler. How you doing? It's me. It's another West Side Fairy Tales episode. I wish I had a better introduction for these things, but I don't. I, I don't. It's, it's me. I ramble. I confuse everybody. I, I feel like there's maybe one of those, uh, maybe I should start doing one of those streamer, hey, it's your boy Tyler here. 
Oh God, I couldn't even do the whole thing. It was too corny. It hurt me too bad, but I, I hope I hope you guys are doing great out there, man. It's June of 2021. We're almost done with that month. It's about to be July. It's crazy out there in these streets. Not as bad as it was last year. It's crazy now because, man, it's fucking pride. Happy pride, first and foremost. I don't really get to say that in the episodes because there's no, uh, no, no clean way to say it, you know, and, and not sound like I'm being performative, which I, I don't want to see. I don't want to do, you know. Um, I, I did the uh, I did the pride frat, pri- pride flag last year um, for my for my uh, thing, and I did a BLM logo because you know I really support both of those causes. But unfortunately, like um, you, you know, I, I think the way to best describe it is somebody made a um, a Photoshop of evil corporations from various movie franchises, Wayland, Utani, Rainbow, uh, various others, wherever the one from Lost is, you know, just a whole collection of, of evil corporations and uh, mom's friendly robot company and, uh, and did them up in, in pride flag, kind of just t- taking a piss at everybody doing the, uh, the performative pride stuff. Um, as June rolls in. And if you're not gay or, or queer or trans or, or any of the, uh, the wonderful, vibrant colors that fall underneath the pride umbrella um, and you don't know what pride really is, it's just, you know, a month-long celebration of, of presence and uh, a month-long remembrance of what people have gone through um, in the gay, lesbian, genderqueer you know, it's 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 hard to be inclusive enough, and I'll talk about that in a little bit too. But um, you know, just the queer community in general, and that that that's I I in my mind that's a very big umbrella that should cover everybody. You know, if you feel like you're marginalized for your sexuality, gender, or your gender expression, and when I say queer, I mean you. You know, feel feel seen, feel heard. I just can't mention everybody because there's so many permutations at this point that you can't quite. Uh, there, there is no good way to say it. It's, it's kind of odd. Um, but yeah, all these companies are doing these performative displays, and now it feels kind of tacky to me. Uh, for me, you know, pride's year-round. I try to be supportive, and I try to be, uh, I try to be helpful in whatever way I can to whatever causes are going on, or, or even to just whatever, you know, um, whatever I can do to support proper legislation and stuff, things that are a little bit more deep than um, just putting up a fucking flag once a month during the year. You know, I feel the same way about um, about the 4th of July, honestly. Like uh, like having a fucking cookout and, and jerking off to Toby Keith songs, in my opinion, is not the way to respect America. I think that you should be passing stronger uh, voter representation laws, you know, making sure that everybody has a chance to, to say and speak their voice in this country. That's what I think is, uh, is important on the 4th of July and for Pride Month. You know, um, I'm not a very uh, vocal person about my own personal situation, I guess you could say, me dancing around it. But, um, you know, for the people that are and the people that have no choice to be, you know, anything but out because of the way that their their persuasion lends itself to their sort of physical identity you know this is this is their month to really shine and just be out there and uh and be comfortable and i hope that everybody feels that way because you deserve to be you know this isn't something that you should have had to earn 
Although, you know, that is the way that it is for a lot of people, especially older people in the, uh, in the queer community that, you know, survived the ravages of the 80s and 70s and, and you know, all of the ignorance that preceded that and the, uh, you know, the basically, and, you know, I'll, I'll say it, the Christian-born hate against their community, you know, um, and, and never forget that that's where that comes from. It's a lot of personal ignorance and it's a lot of evangelical Christian fueled hatred, um, especially in middle America. So don't, don't let those people off the hook just because of, you know, whatever it's, you know, it's my belief that you should not be who you are. Well, I, I believe that everything that you think and believe about yourself is stupid too. You know, Hey, I'm not a, I'm not a, a very kind and accepting person of people that hurt other people because they can. So, you know, just keep that in mind. That's what pride is to me. It's, it's not just, you know, the good parts, but also the bad parts. You know, it is, pride is a fucking, is a resistance movement and it is a revolution. And I hope all of you that are out there fighting day to day, you know, getting your noses bloodied in the streets, losing family members because of uh, just the iniquities and and inherent um, bigotry of many religious beliefs in this country. I hope that you feel safe and recognized. And I, I hope you have not just a good pride month, but you know, a good, the rest of your whole fucking life because you deserve it. And, um, with that aside done, um, there is just one odd oddity about, um, pride that's continuing. And I've talked about this before too, cause I don't want to feel like an, I don't want to sound like an asshole or like I'm, I'm cutting anybody out because I, I feel like the situation is cutting people out. And it's just an interesting thing to think of for my queer friends out there. If you're listening, uh, please write in and uh and tell me how you think about this but i feel like the the pride flag is getting a little i think it's getting a little too cluttered and needs some reconstruction in a more in, in a better way um for those of you who don't know and don't follow things and aren't on the kind of living near the cutting edge of uh of 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 queer politics the rainbow flag that has kind of represented um, pride in a general sense for uh, f- several decades now. I think, I think, as I recall, it was first invented in the early 80s, but I could be wrong. Uh, it might have been in the early 90s, but I believe it might have been a response to the AIDS pandemic, and now I'm, I'm showing my ignorance, but one person specifically made it with a bunch of things in mind. Um, and it used to be slightly different. It's undergone changes like most flags do over the years. And, um, and now, in, a, in an attempt to make it more and more inclusive, it's, it's kind of getting uh, a little bunched up. And so there's, you know, the original pride flag, which is just like a rainbow with, you know, Roy Biv on it. And um, now there's the, uh, the triangle to represent, like, uh, uh, BIPOC, am I saying that right? Black indigenous people of color and also the trans people, which all deserve representation, although black indigenous people of color, technically not a gender identity, but I understand that, you know, you want to be massively inclusive because, you know, LGBT rights are very, very fucking closely connected with a lot of the rights that are trying to constantly be denied um, other mar- marginalized groups, you know, um, the the legislation might change. It might sound slightly different, but it's usually the same sort of people trying to take the same sort of thing for the same sort of reason from the same, you know, marginalized types of groups. And, and I, I, I perfectly understand why that's there. I think it might be time ultimately for a new flag as people are trying to 
add more and more and more into it, I think that it might be time to kind of restructuralize and create a, uh, an overarching and more inclusive flag that's not based on so much these individual characteristics, but like some sort of uh, metaphor for a greater inclusive that includes all of the colors. The, the only problem is, is that the, uh, the flag is based on, based on color blocking, you know? And so for each color to seem, see, be seen individually, it has to, you know, take up X amount of space on the flag. So there's an artistic thing so that it doesn't kind of disappear. And uh, also, at a certain point, um, you have to switch to embroidery instead of uh, the traditional way that the flag's made, which is, you know, for most color-blocked flags, you cut three pieces of fabric, you sew them together. Uh, three pieces, I'm just saying that because that's like 90% of the world's flags are like three different colors, one over the top of another. But um, yeah, I think it might be just time to kind of just restructure that into something just to make sure that nobody feels left out because it's, it's it crosses into a point where... Um, so, so the original um, LGBT rainbow flag was... Uh, and I can't remember what all of the colors are because I'm not like, you know, a student of these things, but um, all of the colors were intended to mean some specific thing by the original creator of the flag so you know the actual like the red stands for something the green stands for something all of those all the way down and so the natural evolution of it was to you know say like hey now that the the fight's kind of changed and uh you know that's a big thing you know uh white cis gay men are are very widely recognized in america and uh to a slightly lesser extent um you know white gay cis lesbians are are widely recognized but once you get into people of color and once you get into trans people and uh, you know just non-his non non non-cis people especially um the the amount of representation falls off exponentially you know being a a, a black gay woman is not not fucking easy. Being a black trans woman is a fucking nightmare in America. And, you know, I'm not saying that because I, I personally know, but I fucking listen to people and this is just me repeating what they say. So, so I understand, you know, the, the, the kind of attempt to include everybody there. But I think that, um, I think that the, the best thing going forward would potentially be just a complete reconstruction of the flag, which is something I've been thinking about a lot uh, because I've been involved in reconstruction myself. If I had to say anything, I think something like the Black Lives Matter fist, similar, but you know, different enough so that it's different, or something like a hand, um, and then kind of painted with like all of the different colors and stuff, I think that could be a pretty cool thing. Um, you know, maybe even just uh, maybe even a hand holding a hammer. <laughs> Get a little communist with it. But uh, I, I, I digress. That's just my, my little thing on pride. Um, my awkward conversation about it. So uh, much love to everybody that's out there fighting the good fight and being out there on the front lines. Um, I, uh, I, 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 I support you. I see you and I, I hope you're doing good and I hope you continue to go, to, to do good for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, as far as reconstruction goes, uh, and this is why I, I probably sound a little bit more scattered even than usual. I know I'm always complaining about not having enough time, but um, at this point, I think it's God playing a fucking joke on me. So, uh, if you haven't heard and you're not up on my social media, um, my, uh, bathroom completely disintegrated, uh, two weeks ago. 
which has caused innumerable problems in my life. I am, I guess, everybody says they're very impressed by me, but all I can ever see is my flaws. So uh, I, I've been personally by hand reconstructing my bathroom from the ground up. And we live in a 109-year-old house, which is 109 in American house years. So just all of you people that live in stone houses overseas that are, are fairly immortal, this thing is a fucking shuddering, misabused, disabused nightmare or misabused. Yeah. Misabused nightmare of a fucking construction. So, um, long story short, short for just the demo. Uh, we had our shower basically went out, right? We had this old clawfoot tub, which is not a good thing. It is not a flex. We had literally just an old clawfoot tub, an unreconstructed, badly painted, partially rusted, quite literally too heavy for the fucking floor it was on so that it was causing damage to the wood, cast iron fucking bucket that filled up most of this fucking room. Is it was a piece of shit. I fucking hated that thing so goddamn bad. Um, but yeah, so we had that in our house. And um, if you don't know anything about clawfoot tubs, they're just badly made. There's a reason you don't see them in anything but rich people houses anymore. And it's because they are kind of a flex. Like uh, they cost a whole lot of money to run. They're expensive. They are dangerous. They are heavy. They are impossible to maintain. They are impossible to find parts for, which is fucking unreal. Like all of the... um, all of the like suppliers that provide the faucet and um, and shower connections for these things are uh, like th- there's like four of them, and they all sell the cheapest pieces of shit you can buy. And then there's like two vendors that sell faucet replacements that are literally like three or four hundred fucking dollars. It's obscene you know what i mean and then we would have this dinky house with this badly maintained hideous fucking bathroom with this 300 fucking brushed bronze they look like old telephone like little sprayer that you pick up and spray yourself off with bougie ass bullshit like i'm not fucking with that so that shower i fixed it whatever three years ago and it's still it it failed again as shortly after we moved in. The uh, it just it leaked and now, uh, long story short, the shower part that actually the diverter that makes the water go up failed and I tried to fix it and uh, in fixing it just completely destroyed it because it's a a planned obsolescence part. Like I'm not that incompetent. It's just literally designed to break in order to come apart so that you have to buy the new piece. Like. It's all these plastic and metal. If you know anything about construction, when you see plastic connected to metal, you're like, all right, so this is supposed to break. This is not, this is not meant to be fucking repaired at all. And, uh, and that was very much the case with the shower. So, you know, we're out of shower, which isn't good. I grew up, you know, I grew up in slimy circumstances and have lived a very grimy life, uh, being the kind of person that I am. So like, I'm like, all right, well, I guess we can do this, whatever. I'm going to need to get showers in the fucking bath, get in the kitchen sink or at the time in the uh, bathroom sink, you know, wash myself like uh, any homeless person in a fucking bus stop, which is not a knock. It's just how it's done. 
and uh, and then I'll 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 get on with my life, and and we'll slowly but surely repair this. Then we get underneath with my which my wife is not happy about, but she's like, fine, I guess if that's what's gonna take, let's just do this, and then we'll we'll figure it out. So I end up getting underneath this bathroom in this crawl space that is literally so small. I have to do like uh, this weird snake maneuver to get into it. And uh, once we're under there, we find out that the floor is almost completely rotten away underneath the toilets and the uh, and parts of the bathtub. The entire floor is rotting. Um, it's just gone underneath the toilet where the wax seal under the toilet has been broken just from the weight of us sitting on it. The floor is, and if you know anything about construction, there are no uh, there are no cross braces underneath the toilet. So the ceramic is just completely sitting on the original wooden floor, which at the time was probably a very strong wooden floor. But still, there's no cross bracing underneath it. There's nothing in the way of sealant around it. There's nothing keeping anything from getting underneath there. And um, parts of the uh, parts of the subfloor have just rotten and fallen into the crawl space. So, like, I'm looking at this thing, like, oh, this could literally come down on my face right now if somebody sat on it. And we were just basically on borrowed time. So it's like, well, fuck me. I guess we're lucky, basically, that the uh, that the the shower failed, and I ended up going under there because the other way to find out about that, because you just don't go in that fucking crawl space. It's a nightmare. The only other way to find out about that is to uh, sit on the toilet after the rot has gone too bad and then just um, falling through it probably in the middle of the night and uh, crashing through the sewage lines uh, four feet into the basement. I guess the, the distance is actually more like two and a half feet, but still, you know, any distance at all, which would have been fun. <laughs> so uh, as of two weeks ago, I have not written anything. I've done a spotty amount of drawing, a very tiny very tiny amount of recording, i.e. this and a Behind the Story episode. No maintenance on my Patreon, and I have been doing 10 to 12-hour days with two days where I took breaks and just did nothing because my body was literally too sore. Um, completely gutting the restroom. Uh, throwing away, and, and this is a restroom in an old house, so its walls are made out of fucking plaster and lath, which... If you don't know what that is, it's just basically the wall is made. The wall is made out of rocks and wood instead of instead of just normal plaster, which you would think would make it better, but it doesn't. It's just a big void. So, yeah, from there, I up till now, I have ripped out all of the floor. I have carved away rotten parts of the joists by the toilet, which were like they they lost like two and three and a half inches respectively of their of the top of the wood. That's how bad it was. And this is this is long enough that it was more than likely more than likely rotting away uh, for years before we moved into the house. Like that doesn't just happen in even a couple of years. I mean, you know, it, it's bad, but that's that's fucking hardwood. <laughs> like like serious hardwood and it's through the entire house. So it's probably been like that for forever. And I have proof of this basically that I won't get into talking about the demo, but we saw all of the absolutely substandard work that the people that lived before us did. And, you know, it's everywhere in our house. We've had why I found wires and walls that are burning into insulation, um, mixed voltages or mixed amps on lines. Um, improper GFI installation, 
uh, improper loads on lines. I've had lines that are uh, going non-independent to a refrigerator. We had a, a line that was going and you don't, if you don't know anything about electric, just, just take my word on it that this is super illegal. We have a line that's going, was going, was going, we fixed it just to our, to our refrigerator and to four sockets outside that had to be reconstructed and rewired so that because fridges are only supposed to be on their own line, there is no, because I haven't been able to fix it yet, there is no um, off switch behind our, um, behind our garbage disposal, which is illegal. Um, and we should have noticed that when we bought the house. It's actually, it's actually, it's actually technically not illegal because in Kentucky, code only has to be up to date as of the construction date of your home. So my home has to be up to date before houses generally had fucking electricity in Kentucky. So technically everything's just, just fine. (laughs) Oh my God. But, uh, yeah, it's that bad through the entire house. So every single one of our little uh, sojourns into reconstruction has been a fucking nightmare. But since then, fully gutted everything but the ceiling. And now that I'm up to now, I, I'm like, man, I should have ripped the fucking ceiling out too. Because I'm going to have to do that eventually. And now I'm going to have to do it with like a shower and stuff in the way. But at the time, we were like, we didn't even have, we, this is a single bathroom house. So we didn't have a bathroom. We had to stay in a motel for a few days in a row so that we could you know, take care of business. All that's gutted, chopped away rot, sistered boards together, uh, did a whole bunch of of minor carpentry and then major carpentry when I had to reconstruct the thing for the new shower. I had to to cut joists away and and build reinforcement boxes and then put joists in those. I hope I didn't put that one joist too fucking close to the drain because apparently the drain for our new shower needs like Four million fucking inches of space in order to be installed. Cocksucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry. It's just a pain in the ass. Um, but yeah, new floor, new completely new floor, new flooring, new uh new new subfloor, new what you would call a floor. So we're putting in some like vinyl tiles or something that's really, really nice looking, really easy. Uh, vapor barrier, insulation, new electricity, because the electricity is a fucking nightmare. Um, you know, rough ends. I did all of the plumbing, pecs, copper, sweating, um, all of the waistlines. I've basically reconstructed. I had to, they're wait. Oh my God. Like if I have any plumbers out there, like these dudes were running uh, unvented, Unvented S traps from underneath the um, from underneath my uh, what do you call it from underneath my shower into a upside down clean out inch and a half clean out on top of a four inch line that went to the toilet so <laughs> so that you know and, and that's and that was its vent line too so it's unvented. Technically, I guess maybe it's wet vented because no, it's, it's still, it's still fucking, it's still unvented. There's no, there's no way for it to return. So we frequently would have like an odd smell coming from our, our shower. And that's because our, our, our S trap would just siphon because it was a really skinny S trap in the first place for a fucking shower. It's supposed to be two inches, not an inch and a half, but it was an inch and a half going into a clean out. (laughs) 
screwed into the top of a fucking clean out vertically, mind you, not horizontally, horizontally, vertically down into a clean out down line of the fucking four inch down the four inch line from the toilet. So it would have to go, the vent would have to go past the toilet. So, you know, just, just, just fucking plumber things. Maybe that's fine. Maybe it's, maybe it's okay to uh, marry uh, a, a sewage line going vertically down, not even, not, not a sanitary T, not, not even a sanitary T, not even a fucking Y like you're supposed to, just a fucking clean out, an upside down clean out screwed in underneath an S trap. Thanks, guys. I thought the worst thing, all right, hold on. Okay, I'm gonna be a fucking plumbing nerd for a second. I thought the worst thing that they had done in our bathroom, which we hated from the second we moved in. It's kind of one of those like, all right, I accept that this is here because we're going to get this house cheap and fix it up, which has always been my plan. The worst thing they fucking did, I swear to God, is they installed a sink um, next to the toilet, right? And instead of just maybe even putting the sink against the chase that runs next to it, uh, or or just being manning the fuck up and ripping some small amount of shit out of the wall and running the plumbing into the wall. No, they run a P-trap directly out of the side of the cabinet. (laughs) They drill a hole in the cabinet and then there is like a foot and a half of one and a half inch PVC running into a hole in the chase to the right of me that's married into, uh, into the stack, which is, by the way, the only, the only legal (laughs) the only fucking legally vented um plumbing in the house aside from i guess the toilet although i think because the no because the toilet vent the toilet vent is just wet vented up past that so technically yeah that is the only legally vented line in the area because the vent um, for the toilet is not above the water line. The vent tie-in is not above the water line for the sink. So in that case, if the sink starts flooding um, and it goes through that vent, it can flood up in through the toilet. Or if the toilet floods, it can go up almost to that vent. And then basically your sewage will come up into the other thing. Maybe that's not a big deal for a toilet. I could be wrong on that. But every diagram I've seen, and bitch, guys, Every time I was not fucking literally ripping something apart with my hands for the last two weeks, I have been reading plumbing manuals online, offline, everything. I have relearned all kinds of shit that I I already knew, which is why I felt like confident enough to do this. But like the the game's done changed. PEX didn't exist. PEX is P-E-X. It's I don't know what the fuck it stands for, but basically it's a rigid rubber or rigid plastic, some sort of plastic um plumbing line it's for supply vents or, or supply lines into uh into plumbing systems and it, it it's a replacement for copper it probably saved me hours upon hours of time um i can sweat copper together i did exactly two sweats during this job um and, and pex pretty much saved my life because uh, this is all used plumbing right so you cannot sweat things together. If you don't know what sweating is, um, by the way, it is uh, soldering, basically. It's um, a different type of soldering that very similar 
in practice to what you know you would normally associate with soldering. I'm pretty sure most of the people that listen to this would think of uh, circuit boards in that. Um, in the case of plumbing, solder is used in conjunction with a uh, acidic chemical called flux. And um, basically, you, you you clean up the the two things that you're going to put together. Copper pieces slide over each other. There's joints and joints and pipes. The pipes slide into generally into the uh, joints after you slather the inside and outside with the flux, and then they're pretty tight together. And then you heat up the joint, and thanks to the uh, miracles of science, capillary action sucks in the mel- molten silver solder, and then lets it cool inside of that space, which creates a, uh, a water and generally airtight um, joint. Uh, you wouldn't use copper to transmit air. It's basically for liquid any, anyway, but I, I guess I can say that it would be airtight. Um, so I had to do a little bit of that. But the, the difference between that and PEX, PEX uses um, crimping, stainless steel or stainless steel crimps. You can use copper crimps too, but everything I saw online was like, don't use the fucking copper crimps. They're dog shit. And then when I saw the copper crimps, I was like, I'm not fucking using those. Those look like shit. Um, The unfortunate thing is that the uh, stainless steel crimps are a um, costly item. So basically, if you want to tie together 50 joints, you know, pipe to pipe to joint, um, each one of those. So, you know, if you have a 90 degree, that's two. Each one of those costs about three or four dollars. You know what I'm saying? And then you're like, well, that's not that bad. Well, the amount of joints to just put together a wall shower is about 10. And then the feed lines to it, depending on how you've got it going, if you're a, uh, if you're a fucking idiot like me and you make a couple mistakes, um, yeah, that's about, that's about 15 total joints off of the main to get it everything where you're going. So, you know, 15 times three or four is 45 bucks just to do that and minus the cost of pecs and the cost of the joints and the cost of the blah, 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 blah. So, you know, money, money's been piling up. Money, 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 money. So like, on that note, just um, if you were thinking about supporting us on Patreon or anything like that, um, I really need help now. <laughs> I would really appreciate it. Um, this is not me being like, you know, uh, a bougie person. Like, oh, I just really want a new bathroom. I have, I have wounded my hands. I can barely get up in the morning. I'm exhausted. I have done electrical, plumbing, carpentry, finish, insulation, water vapor, um, and, uh, and demo, demo and disposal all on this. Um, I I'm surprised I haven't done any masonry work. I feel like I, I feel like I barely dodged out the, uh, the, the shower pan that we got for the new shower that we got it has a reinforced plastic bottom. So I don't have to do, thankfully I don't have to do any, uh, I don't have to do any mortar work to secure that to the ground. It just gets, it just gets glued in place. So it gets drilled in place and then it gets, you know what I mean? You, you know what I mean? A bunch of fucking silicone down there and then yeah and then also flooring so it's been it's been a ride um and i know it's not stuff that really contributes to the podcast uh but i feel like um i feel like if now is the time if you want to throw me some cash we can we can really use it you know um and uh if if you want to know more about my my plumbing journey just go ahead and and follow us follow us online but where we are now is uh the insulation's up 
Vapor Seal is up on half the room. Vapor Seal sounds very fancy, but it's just basically me stapling three mil plastic to the wall so that just in case my... It's a massive redundancy just in case the three other things that I have to hold the water in don't happen. It'll, it'll slide down the walls and not get into the wall cavities and the insulation. It'll destroy my drywall, but who gives a fuck? It's drywall. I don't give a fuck if you destroy my drywall. I do. I do. If you break my drywall, I'll fucking kill you. That's <laughs> if I can take it aside. You know you grew up in a fucking a family where like construction was valued. Like you 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 work alongside like construction workers and you have done drywall. If you go over to like your teenage friend, your fucking like your little fucking uh, suburban Andes house, and this motherfucker's like, yeah, man, I punched the drywall. I was so mad I broke the wall. I'm like, dude, my dad would have made you follow your fist through that wall into the next room. <laughs> and then down into the basement if he destroyed the fucking power lines while he was throwing you through there. You fucking idiot. What are you talking about? You punched drywall? You know how hard that was to hang? Look how fucking, look at the delicate saw marks that were around that, 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 that fucking fixture right there. Somebody lovingly puttied in every fucking inch around that so that the electrical socket could just gently rest against the plaster and you didn't have to fuck around with like six or seven nuts to space it out on that goddamn thing so that the fucking electrical socket will be forward enough to plug it into. You just punch that? You just punch that? You're having a bad day? You're a fucking bitch. Fuck you. <laughs> Take out your anger on pillows and mattresses, kids. They bounce back. One of my friends punched a fucking wall and hit a stud. Broke his hand. Hilarious. He was so mad at me when I laughed at him. <laughs> I was like, first off, why are you punching shit? You don't know how to fight. Are you fighting a fucking wall? Second, I'll punch a fucking wall stud right now and my hand will be fine. Like, I might make my knuckles bleed. Like, <laughs> what is your technique? What kind of weak-ass technique do you have where you're punching a fucking wall-bound two-by-four and breaking your hand? Dude. <laughs> then again, I'm a fucking, I'm an absolute caveman. Me and, me and my other people when I was young, we used to fucking, we'd read those stories about the Roman centurions punching pillars to give themselves like heavy-ass knuckle calluses, and I would do that shit. I got, I got deadened ass knuckles now. Actually, I think some of my fucking feelings starting to come back. Now that I'm older and I do stupid shit less, but dude, don't punch walls. But yeah, we're uh, we're we're past that, and uh, I hope my little aside about what's been going on is 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 fun for you guys. It's been a nightmare for me. Uh, I haven't taken any goddamn time off, and I've just been doing that. I hope to be finished this week. Which, man, if you don't know, like, I, and I'm solo on this. I haven't had any fucking. I haven't had any help except for my wife, who is. Uh, very, very supportive, but, you know, she has her own job and she can't really, like, it's not like she knows, you know, how to fucking do sweating and stuff, so it's not like I can be like, hey, why don't you go down there and bind all those pipes up and and, and maybe handle some of the plumbing while I, I do all this carpentry up? She's just like, all right, I'm going to help you. I'm going to get you whatever you need, and, you know, it's always good to just have some emotional fucking emotional support, which is great. But, yeah, it's basically been me for two weeks doing this, and uh, if you've ever flipped a house, just... No, I flipped a bathroom solo in 
Uh, it's going to be two weeks if I get it done by Wednesday. It'll probably be done by next weekend or next week in full. But uh, yeah, we're going to be doing drywall today and just, ugh. thanks for letting me share that with you guys. It's just a lot. It's a lot. If I, if I had my family in town, they would have came over and we could have probably gotten this knocked out in about the same amount of time with about half the amount of stress on my shoulders. And, you know, a lot of things have just gone faster. Like, dude, you don't, you don't even know how badly you need a table saw until the fucking absolute second you need it. And then you're just, it's just, <laughs> you remember all the times where you had access to one and, and you get sad. You think about how nice it would be to just rip that, just rip the gate off the side of it and be like, yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to push this whole goddamn six fucking eight foot piece of flooring just right through this. Just get a nice even, I'm not going to cut this on two shaking saw horses with a circular saw, a seven and a half inch circular saw. Everybody that doesn't do construction has no fucking idea what I'm talking about. But I feel like everybody that's done that shit on their own at home, you're like, yes, I get it. I fucking get it. So let me talk to you about the two things I did on my break. Uh, my breaks during this. Uh, one of the things, I watched Castlevania. Um, and Castlevania is over now. This is Castlevania on Netflix, which is an adaptation of the 1988 game, I think. Oh, come on. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. If I'm wrong about this, I'm going to kill myself. Not really. Castlevania. Uh, come on. Don't, don't give me the... Yeah, give me this. Was I right? Was it 1989? Oh, 1986, man. Jesus, it's that old. Um, a little bit older than me, actually. So, uh, yeah, Castlevania 1986, uh, very classic, very classic uh, video game, which I have not played, actually. I've played more Castlevania-like games than Castlevania games, not by intention. It's just I've never had access to them. The one Castlevania game I ever got to play, sit down and play, was Castlevania 64, which is a atrocious piece of shit. Maybe it's actually good, but it was just so confusing and not what I expected that I, I was not I was not a huge fan of it. But the adaptation for Castlevania started a few years ago, and it's on. A, this is its fourth and final season, and it's just been a ride, man. It's so it's so I don't know, good, great, wonderful, trashy. It's it's what you would expect. It, I think it's probably the best video game adaptation into a film or TV series that I have ever seen. Um, for real. Like, uh, it is kind of smart. It's very edgy. And it's, it's really just fun. It's good vampire fun, too. The vampire characters are ridiculous and over the top. It's written by Garth Enos, who, of, of, of Garth Enos fame. He's a comic book creator, famous for numerous titles. I'm not going to go into his, his backstory, but he has a very, very specific way of writing. Um, if I could even, if I could really describe it, he's, he's basically like what Marvel MCU writers aspire to be, whether or not they know they're aspiring to be. It's a quippy, 
fourth, not quite fourth wall breaking, but definitely like immersion breaking dialogue that you sort of get used to it. And it's got its own like pattern to it. Um, anything that Garth, Garth Enos writes will have a perverse love of archery. If archery can get addressed in it. And, uh, it's usually some reference to the fucking battle of Agincourt because he's a absolute Britannophile, even for a British person. He is, uh, He's a big fan of Britain. He's one of those guys that um, manages to jerk off Britain while f- placing most of his work for some reason in like New York City. <laughs> That's not really true, uh, but he's done he's done a lot of great work on stuff like Hellblazer and uh, I think The Boys is his. I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, The Boys is a Garthiest joint. Um, I get him and Warren Ellis confused all the goddamn time. I think a lot of people do. But uh, that he did, yeah, Hellblazer, Hellblazer and the Boys, pretty much most notoriously. Um, and Hitman, I think Hitman is one of his. Those are all real fun. Um, his writing doesn't shine through. It kind of just supports the, 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 the just, we, we were doing it. We're doing it is kind of how I feel. The animation and, um, in, in, in Castlevania is not great. And sometimes it's amazing. It, it kind of flips back and forth, but it, it just so totally obviously doesn't give a fuck that you can't really ever fault it at points. Um, it's never terrible. It's never just like, um, like some of the worst episodes of Invincible are bad, bad, hilariously bad. Uh, instead of, instead of doing some of the shortcuts that they do, um, the the Castlevania animators and uh, directorial team tend to f- default to um, 1980s anime or 1990s, early 2000 anime ways of getting away with shit, which is some very light CG. I remember seeing CG, but there wasn't almost any of it. And uh, just a lot of stills, a lot of good stills and a lot of dialogue. And then... Um, you know, some some low FPS uh, during fight scenes. Um, the fight scenes are pretty mixed, but like ultimately I like it just because color and character design wise, it's pretty perfect. The plot is negligible. Uh, <laughs> the plot is the plot is so thrown together that you can almost feel like somebody throwing their arms out in the last three or four chapters to kind of just desperately grab every potential setup thing and just try to tie it together as well as they could. And they do a pretty decent job. This, uh, this show does not suffer badly or I think really almost at all from any Ponzi scheme writing, which, um, as an aside, I saw people talking about rabbits today, and I just, which is um, another show from the creator of the Black Tapes. Their writers are, I mean, hey, they're more successful than me, but they're not very good, and they tend to rely on Ponzi scheme writing, which I've described before. Um, which is instead of resolving a plot thread, you just create a new, more interesting plot thread and never address the other one, so that you just keep opening stuff up and then you never tie anything together. And it was just interesting to see kind of just organically somebody else coming to that same conclusion that I came to about the black tapes. I digress. There's not too much of that in Castlevania. Um, even if it's, 
even if it's like, oh, just grinding steel against steel to just try to fucking get that corner and and make a plot thread come together, they really do make it happen. And uh, and I can only applaud them for it. I'm very proud of I'm very proud of the Castlevania team because there's also a very strong feeling of uh, of love when it comes to it. Everybody seems like they have a big big love of animation of of uh, horror action of castlevania itself um in the show there there's i mean just in the last big battle where all three of the main characters sypha um triffer belmont and uh, alucard the son of dracula I can't remember what his, I think his name is Alphonse Tepish is his real name, but his name's Alucard, which is Dracula backward, by the way, if you've never heard that before. Um, they, uh, they get together and you get to see, and I've never played the game with Alucard in it, or you know, obviously any of the games as I mentioned before, but I know a little bit about it because you know it's kind of famous around there and he's got all sorts of abilities. And they never describe how he knows how to use them or where they come from, but seeing him kind of put them on to action, I can just tell is like a nod to fans of the game who wanted to see him uh, turn into a wolf and sprint around, use a transformation into bats as a dodging technique, little teleportation maneuvers, all sorts of stuff. And it's just, it's just great. And I really appreciate it. The uh, the comedic parts of Garth Enos's writing, which in some in sometimes can get, uh, well, let's just say he's from the he's he's from an older era where you know making making jokes, impugning people's uh, masculinity in certain ways were much less frowned upon. Um, but but I, I feel like it's always it's always okay to make fun of a sloppy drunk if they're your friend and they just make fun of uh, Trevor Trevor Belmont all the time and it's it's fun and everybody everybody dumps on Trevor including Trevor and there's a lot of uh, a lot of shit talking and a lot of like oh, extraneous awareness of the situation that they're in that I really appreciate because you know. Hey, Cutting down on the uh, the pomposity of certain situations is always always good in my opinion, and and they they really knock it out of the park with this. the The final scenes end in a um, ultimate ultimate showdown that is just amazing, and I really liked. There is, I I actually did the meme while I was watching this and pointed at the screen and said, "That's a fucking JoJo reference." One of the bad guys from the first season who becomes a. Uh, a deuteragonist by the by the fourth season of the good guys, Isaac, who is a uh, what the what do they even what do they call these goofballs? Uh, forge masters, they're forge masters, which just makes sense because I mean the one guy's a forge master. He has a counterpart who's a, uh, a blue haired fella who actually uses like a hammer to make dead bodies into into monsters, but Isaac uses like a knife, which isn't very forgy. But I guess if you called him a butcher master, that wouldn't be as, well, I think that would be fucking cool as shit, but it probably, it probably wouldn't go over quite as well. But yeah, and, and ultimately it's a, it's a romp. It's, it's a lot of fun. I suggest, I suggest you check it out. It's free on Netflix. You know, I mean, as far as anything is free on Netflix, 
and you could probably watch the entire thing in just a couple days. All the first four seasons, I think, are only a few episodes, and then the uh, the first two seasons, I think, are only a few episodes, and then the last season's like a ten episode super super series, and um, it's fun. It comes together, and like everybody gets a happy ending kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, just check it out. Check it out. The second thing I want to talk about today is the uh, third installment in the Conjuring series, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. I guess it's not The Conjuring 3. Maybe it is The Conjuring 3. All of the, all of the, uh, the official things say The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. No, the other, other things call it The Conjuring 3. This is uh, The Conjuring. We needed to make some money. Why not exploit this ancient... Um, this this now ancient uh, franchise for a little bit of extra cash. Maybe the con. No, I think the original Conjuring came out like 2012, and uh, and I rather liked it. Um, it, was, it was it was fun. It was new. It was actually pretty scary. Might be generous, but it was definitely good. Um, yeah, you know, I think uh, actually I think the, the original Conjuring had some pretty good scares in it, and it had a lot of good aesthetics. I just remember the opening title crawl next to the uh, the tree where the woman was hanged or hanged herself. I can't exactly remember what the situation was there, but you know it had that crawl, the text crawl, and then the big the conjuring over the top of it, and that was just awesome. Since that first conjuring film, the series has declined. The Conjuring Two I liked, but I do consider the other. Ed and Lorraine Warren expanded universe movies to uh, be fairly subpar. Um, the Annabelle Homecoming movie was not good, even though it was very promising looking. Um, and I can't remember if I talked about this for the West Side Fairy Tales or not, but because I think that might have came out while I was still doing this. But that was a very unimpressive movie. Um, and it suffered from some of the same stuff that this one suffers from. And a lot of Blumfeld movies are starting to suffer from. I really respect that they are doing it. You know what I mean? It's, they're an independent studio, which I, good, do it. You know, um, but they have had enough longevity here that they are starting to kind of fall into habit, which does happen. But, you know, as long as they keep churning stuff out and using that revenue to support new properties. Hey man, I'm fine with that. But you know, um, the, the Conjuring 3 is very banal by the numbers haunting possession movie. Uh, and, and instead of having the person being possessed be the very typical teenage girl, the slightly less typical young boy, it is, in this case, a, uh, a young man, um, a, a man-man. I think he's uh, a guy in his early 20s or so named um, Arn Chan. What is this dude's name? His name's Arn something. They cut it off on here. <laughs> they don't even have his whole name on there. But no, no, Arn, he, he's the dude. They also have that kid, Julian Hilliard, 
he plays David Glatzel, who's a who's possessed at the very beginning of it. And that is that that kid is in fucking everything as a kid with glasses, dude. He he just nailed it. I I I I'm worried about him turning uh 18. I don't know what he's gonna do. He's he's either gonna be in everything or 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 not. Of course, The Conjuring has uh, Vera Farmiga returning as Lorraine Warren and Patrick Wilson, who is kind of one of my favorite actors on accident, returning as Ed Warren. I don't know what I like about him so much. He doesn't, but I love him. I think it's because he always looks vaguely sinister. Even when he's a good guy, he looks like he might be a little bit evil. In uh, real life, at this time in their lives, this movie takes place in the 80s, um, the Warrens were getting up there in years. And so, um, sort of indirectly, uh, the movie kind of plays on Ed's failing health. He has a heart attack during a uh, botched exorcism at the beginning and uh, spends much of the movie in a wheelchair or otherwise um, sort of semi-incapacitated. Um, and and uh, Lorraine is, as always, a, a, a baddie bitch, just kind of <laughs> seeing stuff and getting around there. Uh, the, the, the problem with Ed being, um, having heart attacks and, and stuff, is that although Ed Warren was not a particularly in good shape. Patrick Wilson is in his fucking prime and I believe is playing uh, some sort of superhero or, or, or a super villain in one of, the, one of the DC or MCU movies. And so he can barely hide the fact that he is fucking ripped in this movie. They don't let him take his shirt off, but even wearing baggy clothes... The man's fucking shoulders look like you could hang fucking curtains on them. Like, they're literally built for a fucking cape. He's unbelievably jacked. He's already, I think the dude in real life is like six foot four or something. He's, he's, he's around my height, I believe. So he's just, he's just huge. Yeah, he's six one. He's probably clocking 250 during this film. Just an absolute fucking slab of beef. And he's like, oh, my heart. <laughs> He gets tackled by a child, and you can tell it's him that's falling back on purpose because this kid does not have enough momentum to knock him down. Um, the, the major problems with it really aren't that. It, it, it's kind of like uh, a little bit of everything everywhere. The cinematography is pretty flawless. Uh, I can't remember at any time having any problem with the shot selection, composition, the lighting's on point. They did do that thing that pisses me off that movies do sometimes now where for some reason people are in the woods and it's like really well lit. Like, dude, I get, you got pretty people. That's cool, man. It's so dope. You know, you spent all that money on, on, on casting and you got these handsome motherfuckers. Dude, I would love to stare at a fully lit uh, Patrick Wilson the whole time. Strong jaw, very tall. Like I said, fucking slab of beef, that guy. But in the fucking forest, there's trees and trees have leaves and leaves get in the way of the sun. <laughs> like, if you're going to be walking on a path in the forest, then the forest behind it should be dark. Um, and, you know, it's just like a small thing, but the woods were born to be scary. They are inherently 
the most frightening thing to almost anybody that grew up near them. You know what I mean? You're afraid of three things, the woods, tunnels, and the dark as a general practice. Like, you know, especially where I grew up, we were surrounded by woody areas and woody areas are always, even in the daytime, lightly threatening. Big blue sky, white, puffy clouds, birds, you know, and, and, and even the houses that you're familiar with. But then, you know, once you get to the end of the grass, you know, and the grass stops being that nice, bright, sunlit green and starts just dark, darkening, just gently, not all the way black, just darkening a little bit greener and greener and greener till it gets almost brown, almost blue. And then it's the woods and the woods are dark. And the woods only show you little bits of light. What, what, can, what can manage to fight its way through the trees? The, the, the gentlest bit of tracing on some bark. A little bit of white fluttering off of something that's just, just danced from limb to limb. That hush that settles when you start to approach. And everything that's in there wants to know more about you before you join them. That's the fucking woods. They fucking go to the woods in this thing. It's a fucking bright, man. Hey, we're on a fucking nature hike. Gonna go look at a dead body. Check out our costumes. <laughs> Vera Farmiga, by the way. It's just an aside. Um, if you don't know her uh, from anything but The Conjuring, she is Norma Bates in Bates Motel, which is probably the standout role of her career because she can just hit, like, unwell woman that kind of has her shit together, even though she shouldn't, very well. She's that person where you're like unnerved that no one else can tell how good she is at faking it because she is faking it and she knows she's faking it and she's got a little countdown timer in her head where she's like, gonna stab somebody eventually. Might be right now and no one's gonna know what's coming, but it also might be next, you know, next Tuesday. Who knows? And that's like the, that's the, the fucking, that is the, the heart of suspense, you know, is a character like her, or just a character actress like her. She just does it so well. No one could wear the goofy fucking outfits that fucking Lorraine Warren is wearing in this show, but Vera Farmiga. The way that her body is shaped, her head, the way her hair can just kind of be put into these old-timey hairstyles, and this, this like that sort of flat expression that she has that's always flat, but sort of like tiltering, uh, tilting uh, toward bewildered or like maybe like, you know, unwell. Like only if, if she is worried about something, everyone should be worried because first off, everyone should be worried about her and isn't. And if she's worried, you should all be fucking worried. She just gets it. I don't know what it is about her. But I feel like they just took her to, like, any fucking thrift store in, like, uh, in the Midwest, you know, where people don't go to those thrift stores as much, like, in a fucking almost dead town. And she just started picking out formaldehyde-scented fucking <laughs> outfits and putting them on. And they are like, all right, well, we've got to deep clean these and to get the old lady smell out and, you know— all of the desperation and 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 and, and the, the the knowledge of the closeness of the grave, and then this will be your outfit. And she was like, "No, we don't clean them. I just wear them." <laughs> That's the feel of her. 
as much as I just love her and uh, even her just doing this Lorraine Warren bullshit, um, she doesn't manage to save the movie. Patrick Wilson is not allowed to save the movie. The writing is fundamentally bad. And I think I, I don't I haven't researched the stories that this is based on. Every one of the conjuring is I, I, apparently to some degree, and you know, by the most tenuous thread of spider silk, tied to some real world version of a of a thing that the 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 Warrens did. They they, they participated in exorcisms, which are bullshit. They participated in ghost removals, which are, you know, hey, man, if you want to believe in the occult and stuff, do it. I'm, I'm all for it. Generally, generally, I am the one of the very few things that I am hard against and will actually like come after people for is exorcisms. Because usually that stuff is used to exploit people. And uh, the, the Catholic Church, if you ever see the Catholic Church, trying to quote-unquote help kids just start getting really suspicious about their motives and about whatever it is that they think that they're accomplishing because, my friends, they're the fucking Catholic Church. No offense to any of my Catholics out there, but, you know, hey, I was also raised in the church too. Confirmed, Holy Family, Cincinnati. I have my right to speak. And I have spoken. Exorcisms, I, uh, I, I, I find to be distasteful. Fun in movies, if it wasn't for the fact that literally every fucking one of them is the same, except for in, uh, one film. I cannot remember what the hell it was called, but somebody recommended it to me. And it was great. Uh, it's on Shudder. It's basically a small cast, and this dude's girlfriend gets possessed by the devil, and they have to keep making this show in order for him to get her back. That was, there was a pretty, that's a pretty good possession story. I liked it because it was different than normal. Although it wasn't that different. I guess it's more like an evil dead, you know, which isn't, I guess it's still possession, but mm, yeah, I guess it does have its own subcategory that already sort of exists. You know, trapped in the room with the thing that's yelling at you, but it's like more of an action comedy kind of deal. But I, I, I digress. We're talking about the classic, any exorcism ripoff movie. There is just an exorcism ripoff shot in this to the point where I was just like, I looked at my wife and I was like, why are they not playing fucking tubular bells right now? I mean, they just did the shot from the exorcist of the priest getting out. He's got the fucking broad hat and everything. He gets out of the taxi cab, looking up at the window of the house. They do the shot of him, him the window looking down at him. And they just didn't play like fucking do 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 do. I can't ever do that right, but you know what I'm talking about. The fucking exorcist theme. And, uh, yeah, just corny. And, I mean, if you're going to play by the numbers, why, why would you play by the numbers that hard and then have it not be a good exorcism film? So let's just get, if I'm going to complain about the plot, let me just tell you what happens. And, it, obviously, if you don't want to know what happens, uh, if you don't want to, honestly, if you don't want to know what happens in this movie, never have watched any possession or, or just generic Blumfeld horror movie ever. Um, you won't be spoiled in this movie if it's the first movie you've ever seen. That's how fucking by the numbers it is. So um, we start off, there's an exorcism. The, the Warrens are trying to get some, little, some devil out of this little kid. It's the one I talked about before. He's the kid that wears the glasses in all of the movies. He's, 
He's the kid in the glasses in like every horror movie for the last like four or five years, I swear to God. And um, it fucks up the kid's sister's boyfriend, Arnie, Arn, whatever the fuck his name is, picks the kid up and is like, all right, get out of him, devil. He picks him up because fucking uh, the kid dive tackles Ed Warren. And this is what I mentioned before, you know, Patrick Wilson's like, he built like a brick shit house. He knocks him down. He punches him in the chest. He's like, I want to take your heart, old man. <laughs> this kid is too cute, by the way, to ever be scary. He does not have, he does not have it. He is at best ever victim bait. No offense, kid. Like, God bless you, but you're just too fucking cute. He cannot do scary kid. He always just looks adorable. I think he was fucking Gage. No, I don't think he was Gage. He might have been Gage in the fucking, in the, uh, the Pet Cemetery remake. But um, yeah, he's just like a little goofy, round-headed white boy. He's a little fucking dork. And he, thank you so much. And then as they're having his fucking heart attack. And Arnie's like, take me instead. I am. I am the, I take me devil. And the devil's like, I, for no reason. I mean, I guess maybe he just wants to be out of that house, but he could have also just skittered off with a little kid. I guess taking the older guy over is, is easier or something, but like, I don't understand the real motivations there other than to further the plot. Or why they didn't try that earlier. But also because like Ed passes out and has his little, he has to go to fucking recover over his heart attack. He doesn't manage to tell anybody that that guy um, has the devil in him. But the kid was like fine right after. Like the kid didn't pass out. And nobody was just like, "What, what happened to the demon? Is the demon gone? I guess they just assume like, I guess Ed got him. This house is ridiculous. It's covered in fucking like big demon claw marks and shit that are kind of dope. Blood everywhere. The kid jacks, I think, his dad or the priest in the leg with like a chunk of broken glass. Um, the, the first scene with the demon and the kid is kind of like the moment you realize the movie's not going to be very good. The, the scene is like the kid is going to bed or go to the bathroom i don't know but the demon like lures him into the bathroom alone and the kid runs and hides in the shower and there's creepy noises that bullshit and you know you see like maybe something out of the out of the window a little bit of demon demon shadow oh scary and then the kid's in the shower and then the the shower turns on and it's blood. But it's presented just like that. Like, there's no, there's no, like, theatrics to it. Like, the, I guess maybe you can blame it on the editor. I don't know. Because all the scenes are there. It's just edited badly together with no rhythm. Which is kind of a hard thing to explain. But there's supposed to be pauses and beats and, and moments to, like, let scenes breathe. And that just never happens in this entire fucking movie. So, like, every bit of tension is just ruined because it doesn't get tense enough. You know what I mean? 
so you, you're constantly caught with, you know, it's like somebody trying to cut a rope that you're not holding tensely enough. You know, you just keep bouncing your knife off of it instead of getting a nice tap and a snap and a pop. Whoa, wow, fuck. Blood on the kid. Yeah. Oh, shit, he's terrified. That's fucking amazing. You never get that moment. And that's the first one that happens. And then there's numerous, like, mini scares throughout the whole thing. And the horror aspect of it never really comes up. The good thing about a possession or any... Possession stories are really corruption stories, right? And corruption stories have to be done slowly. That's the necess- that's that's why it's scary. Watching somebody lose control of themselves, watch their body fall apart, you know, trying to hold on to their humanity, that's what creates the tension, that's what makes you relate to them. You you want to think like, god damn it, what if I was waking up in the middle of the night and scrawling fucking Aramaic on my walls and what if I what if I woke up and I I was choking my significant other or, and then then I double woke up and she was fine or if I was having dreams about murdering people and I didn't know if I if I should sacrifice my freedom to keep them safe or or if I would just get over this like I I don't want this to become my life I I don't want my life to be interrupted like that is the purpose of a corruption story you know. It's that moment where somebody's rubbing their head, hand, and the, the fucking hair comes off. Or, or in, uh, in, in, in Cabin Fever, when, when, when they're, the, the girl's shaving, and when she shaves up, her fucking leg is wrecked underneath it. And it's all coming off, and the flesh is being dragged up by the razor. That is a corruption story. And, you know, it, instead of corruption of the body, it's corruption of the soul, you know? Have him, like losing track of stuff and and, and, and and falling apart inside mentally as the the demon takes hold of him. But you never get that. He just fucking goes and gets drunk with a random dude and the demon's like, whoa, maybe I'm running at you. And he stabs the demon, but it's the dude who was like, I don't know, running at him like a dog, which I probably would have stabbed him too. And so... So then he just like walks out and he's possessed by the devil and then he's not possessed by the devil and he turns himself into a cop and he's like, oh no. And then the rest of it's like, we've, he's, he's going to jail. He accepts that because he killed a guy. We, we don't want him to get the death penalty. Why? What? <laughs> Why wouldn't you just try to get him off? Their whole thing is like, uh, okay, so it's the devil made him do it. And that's why it's the conjuring. The devil made me do it. Which I guess in real life, this guy probably just fucking killed somebody in a drug-fueled haze and uh, tried to blame the devil in order to get off of death row. And the fucking Warrens being the uh, uh, hucksters that they are, decided to help. Whatever. Um, the rest of the movie is them trying to uncover who a mystery that is only even incited after the inciting incidents of the movie. Like he's possessed the whole time. They never try to really cure the possession. Um, and it gets bad toward the end and there's stuff happens. It's all very bland. It's hard to remember because the parts are so disinteresting that like, I, I, they, they actively repel themselves from my mind. But basically, there's a witch. Yeah, the whole time it was a witch summoning a demon 
to kill somebody so that she could get the soul. But if her altar gets broken, the spell gets broken, and the demon doesn't get a soul. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And she gets twisted up like a pretzel and dies, which is um, dumb and uh, not fun. (laughs) But it's it's the decision that they make, which sucks too because this lady is the most interesting character in the entire movie, is this random witch. She's got a backstory. She has uh, motivations at all. Uh, Nobody else has really has much in the way of motivations. They're just doing stuff because, like, it's their job, you know? Uh, And they have no, like, B-plots, really? Like, uh, Ed's B-plot is that he's a dumbass and keeps forgetting to bring his fucking heart medication with him to keep himself from dying, but his wife keeps one of his heart pills in her fucking locket. I don't know. She should have just done what my wife did and just made me get one of those old people pill calendars 
which I have now, and I, I fucking use it every day. I keep myself on schedule for taking my fucking brain medicine. Um, that's his thing. I guess Lorraine is like, I don't know, afraid of going crazy. I, I, f- I can't remember. She sucks as a character. Vera Farmiga is the shit. Lorraine Warren is just written bullshittily. She just has, she just sees stuff and she's kind of like uh, the only reason things happen in the movie. Like, it, it, there's just a lot of things happen. Uh, our main characters are not flawed at all. They don't have any character flaws other than Ed forgets to bring his medicine and like Lorraine's powers have drawbacks. People really don't question them very often. There's like a scene where Vera or fucking Lorraine gets questioned and she answers the which one of these murder weapons is the murder weapon thing, but it's dumb. <laughs> it's dumb and it's unnecessary. It's basically them like forcing the cops to bring them along on the murder. Uh and I don't know. I just feel like it would be more fun if they weren't with the cops. I don't know. I guess maybe in real life they were working with them. But just like an extrajudicial, literally an extrajudicial witch hunt would have been so much more fun. They go and talk to this creepy former Catholic priest who has like his own Ed and Lorraine creepy shit collection in his basement. And like, well, you're a Catholic priest, so... He's like, follow my Catholic priest. He fucking got the creepiest fucking accent in the world. You find out that the witch is his daughter, and she's, I don't know, she's a weirdo. And I just wish, like, I wish she had more potential. Like, there's a, there was a potential if you wanted to do the Ed and Lorraine extended universe and just start making shit up. Because, honestly, like, they're grifters in real life. They, they just, you know, they did fake bullshit and and seances and stuff which no knocking it make your money capitalism's hard but let's not pretend like uh they're like the unsung heroes of the war against satan and um if you wanted to set up and just start making shit up i I would have had much more fun with a just completely made up story about them just like let them go and have a little fucking scary witch hunt um, and, you know, have some people around them die or, or whatever the fuck. Stakes feel low. The person that's murdered is already murdered at the beginning, and then they've got to kind of keep throwing random people into harm's way for very little of a good reason. I still can't remember how the guy's girlfriend and the little kid get into the fucking mental hospital at the end of the movie, but I think they do. And he's flying around in the air before they break the altar. It was really hard to pay attention to this movie. It, it's very dull. All of these things sound interesting on their own. And I guess when they were writing out the script and it was just like idea to idea to idea, it was fun. But I guess somebody's some like fucking California dude's nephew who went to three months of film school and they had to like reward him because, you know, he forgot to give him a couple money, a couple, couple bucks when he turned 18. He's like, ah, you know, let's just let him write a script for this new conjuring film and uh between um you know a a few dozen adhd pills and and a little bit of weed they managed to take this fucking shit and 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 it's the script that you get and it's the script that you got and i i can't recommend it it's so boring (laughs) it's such a boring fucking movie it's so dull 
that by the end of it, you, you can barely remember anything, you know? You know what would have been better? Let's, 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 let's fucking, let's Tyler, let's Tyler does a script doctor this shit. And this is how, it's how I would have done it. All right. So let's say the guy has to go to prison. Okay, because maybe that's what happened in real life. So Arn has to go to jail and he has to kill that dude. So let's make Arn a fucking main character like he's goddamn supposed to be and let him have some fucking agency and keep him out of prison for most of the movie. All right, exorcism gets botched at the beginning. Not bad. Let's just kind of reconstruct it and have Patrick Wilson... Let's have Patrick Wilson's character have like a crisis of faith instead of having a fucking heart attack. Because that's lame. That's lame. He doesn't look like a man that's old enough to have heart attacks. And after he's had his heart attack, I, I have had people like you probably have in my life who have had heart attacks and they look like shit afterwards. They're, they're all pale and fucked up. You know, maybe some people get by with like a short one, but generally like when your heart stops for a while, it does a severe amount of damage to your body. And he doesn't really look like that. He's just like a fucking really in shape guy in a wheelchair. So how about instead of that, we have him have a crisis of faith, which is a pretty, pretty common thing with exorcisms. Hey, you fucking, you don't believe anymore. You don't even believe in your wife. How about that? Yeah. All right. You don't have any faith in your wife. Maybe, maybe he thinks his wife is potentially the one doing it. There we go. Now we have a fucking B plot that has any fucking value. Let's put some goddamn conflict between the fucking Warrens aside of you better take your medicine or you better stop overworking yourself. <laughs> Fuck that bullshit. I want them at each other's throats. This is Hollywood. God damn it. All right. First five, 10 minutes, right? We got to get to the fucking conjuring thing. All right. Cold open, right? Tables rattling. Cuts. Cut back to, you know, mumbling over the bio. Just a hand, picture of a hand over a Bible. That, that, good, that good paper sound, you know, that fucking. Nomine Patria Filia Spirito Sante. Nomine Patria Filio Spirito Sante. In the name of the in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, I command you, I compel you. Cut. Big fucking scratch going down the wall. And then, you know, another cut. Table vibrating. And now you see the hands holding the kid and the kid's clawing at him. Oh, no, he leaves some, like, red marks, but he can't because his, his little hands aren't big enough. And you see behind him, you know, behind the hands that are holding this kid down on the wall. Big forefinger, like the size of a fucking trash can lid. Ripping plaster off the wall. And we go up and we, we're, we're going up this person's chest. And we get to this, you know, whatever. We'll do, the, we'll do the Catholic imagery, all right? There's a crucifix, a bronze crucifix glowing on this guy's neck. We cut to just a picture of a, uh, of a we're zooming in on a lens, an old school camera lens, because there's a camera in this scene. And then we, we, we hear screaming and stuff. And as you get closer to the lens, we never see the footage, right? Never see the footage, or at least right now. You see in the, the barest reflections, this kid's body just contorting off and the, the hand over the Bible. 
And then we 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 cut up back to the the cross and we go up and it's it's Ed Warren's face and he just looks miserable. He's not even paying attention to this what's going on really. He's like almost dazed out. He looks exhausted. He looks like shit. He's pale. He's sweating. His eyes are baggy. He is in fucking crisis. And then it's just like lights go out and then they they're 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 turning on their flashlights. Oh no no, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? And then you you see Ed backing up and the, the lights glinting off of glinting off of the, uh, the, the 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 cross. And then you just see and like the kid rips it off and steam is shooting up out of it as this kid runs away. <laughs> and then the fucking scratches all through the house. And then he's almost to the front door. His hand is literally burning with this cross in it because he doesn't give a fuck. Your faith isn't strong enough. Oh, your little imagery can hurt me, but your faith isn't strong enough to stop me. He gets almost to the front door and he's tackled by the kid's brother. And then and Edge just watching this in a daze. The, the priest is running past them. You're flipping through the pages, panicking, trying to get back to the screaming now. Nomine o Patre Filio Spirito Sante. Nomine o Patre Filio Spirito Sante. The whole house is fucking running. And then Lorraine runs up. Ed! 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 And then and then you see the 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 just the, the fucking cameras falling on its side. And now you see the footage. And like the guy is holding down the kid. And then you see like the kids just like and it's fucking the the static starts to go bad and the kid's mouth is opening way too big and the 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 dude's body starts just floating floating up off the ground over the top of him and then we go the conjuring you know in 1986 after the failed exorcism of Ed Ed and Lorraine's faith is shaken blah 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 and then, then we cut out, right? Like, what in the fuck just happened, right? And then we cut to them, like, riding around or something in a car. And now we got to try to figure it out. And it's like, you know, something has happened, you know, whatever, this and that. And, you know, another successful exorcism. Maybe they're even, maybe we can just cut to Ed and her. And it's him, like, looking a little bit better. And, um... Or even cutting into Vera and she, and then, yeah, cut into him. He looks miserable. Then cut to Vera, zooming in on her face. And she's, or not Vera, Lorraine. And, and, and she's just like clearly worried about him. And uh, his cross is gone now. You know, we cut up when we look at him, his cross is not on his chest anymore. How fucking dope is that? You fucking got it. And then, you know, you cut down maybe to him holding it. That's what her hand, her eyes go down to his hands and he's holding it. And it's just this blackened, twisted hunk of metal and the only thing that's still visible on it is just like the uh the the miserable face of christ looking back up at at, at ed warren and then you know the, the the family comes in and they're like you know thank you so much we did it and we we, we really can't appreciate it enough and ed's like you know thank you thank you thank you blah blah, blah. like I, I, we're just glad we could help and the priest is, I don't know, he's like a fanboy or something. He can't believe he got through it. And it's wonderful for him, his, his, his faith. He's like, I can't believe these words I've been saying all of this time. They have so much power. I feel so invigorated by this. I, I feel the power of Christ 
in me. I, I feel like John the Revelator come down to just bring the word back and Ed just like, I thank you so much, Father. I thank you, but we, we have to be going. And, you know, Vera's kind of, or Lorraine's kind of following him out. And then they have their first conversation, you know, what was that with you? Like, are, are you okay? And it's just like, I don't think we did it. I don't, this doesn't feel right. She's like, well, things don't seem like they felt right for you for a while. And he's like, yeah, maybe, maybe they haven't, maybe they haven't, you know? And, 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 and they kind of discuss his like sort of lapsing faith. And we have like a little with character moment, just them in a car driving through the, like the, the beautiful countryside of wherever the fuck they are somewhere in the Midwest, you know, we got tractors you have those moments where maybe even Vera's driving, which is like not typical for them. You can even have like one of those little, like an establishing scene where she has to reach in and, and adjust the seat. So bring it up close so that she can use the steering wheel because normally Ed drives, but Ed is just so out of it that he's, he's, he's buried up against the wall. He, he just can't take it anymore. Fuck. Something's fucking wrong with me. Fuck, you know, that, that in his eyes, but he doesn't express himself like that. So it's just kind of cold and in him. And as he's looking out at the, at the, at the thing, he sees like, I don't know, maybe just like a horse walking, you know, into, uh, in through, through the, through this thing. And they're, they're talking and the, the horse is walking through the field and it's kind of just an alone horse, just aimlessly walking. And as he watches it, it just walks into the into the woods and he he his eyes kind of open and even though him and Lorraine have been having this conversation and she's like so we have that thing in in Farmingdale like on Tuesday right are are you going to be okay for that and he says like yeah she's are are you are you sure and you know you do one of those where the, the, their conversation fades out and she just starts going from like well okay but only if you're and like the 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 radio which is playing some you know whatever fucking eighty six folk music and when that and the horse is just walking into the darkness and that's all that Ed can see is this horse disappearing into the tree line. So how fucking dope is that? And so, like, what do we do then? What do we do then? Like, you know, maybe we go to Ed kind of, like, fumbling his way through these public speaking engagements and stuff. You know what? Because it's the 80s. The Lorraine, Ed and Lorraine Warren are well-known. Annabelle's been in that box for fucking 15 years. They have grown children, you know? It, it, and it's, it's just, it's hard. Because in this, wor- in this world, exorcisms are real. Possessions are real. But everywhere they go, people still don't believe him. They don't believe in him, and they don't believe in God. And that's what bothers him. We'll go fucking full Christian allegory here. I don't give a fuck. We'll, 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 we'll give it to the Catholics on this one. That's what is really getting to him. Everywhere he goes, he starts seeing empty necklaces which is odd to him. Why does he keep noticing that? Empty necklaces. He always looks down at people's chest and there's something missing there. You know, you go and, and, it, and this could be even like a montage, you know. And then kind of going across America and they, they do speaking engagements, they do this. And you can even have intercut with this, our buddy Arn, right? And we see what happened and, you know, we, we, we have Arn's first sequence, sequence where Arn is just laying in his bed, right? And it's like, Arn, 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 and he's, and he wakes up 
And when he wakes up, he tumbles forward, right? You know that normal, you you shoot up from bed, right? But you stop because your legs are in the way. But this time he goes, and then he's floating. And then he's reaching down and he's just, his fingers are scraping over his sheets. And as he feels it, you know, we're in a blue and dark room. The colors are monochromatic. Just a little bit of light coming in from the window over the top of his bed. And to his left, he can see his girlfriend in her hand. And he reaches and it's just outside of the tip of his fingers. He just misses it. And he's floating upward. Arn. And then he starts seeing stuff. And it's like you see him floating over the boy. Intercut. And then back to him, still floating up. Those hands not quite touching, right? And her hand getting further away from him. Arn. And then he's fucking finally, he just sees himself going back closer to her, right? And then we see the images of the hands coming. And this time the one hand is just black with rot, right? White skin and red pieces underneath, bone coming up, weeping sores and these nails. The nails are the only things that are still strong. And they're like talons coming right out of the first finger joint. The whole finger bone is just sharp. Arn. And then that thing, their hands clasp. And he's wakes up and his girlfriend's underneath him, like <laughs> she's 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 choking and he's he's like realizes what he's doing and then he's terrified, but then like a calm comes over him and he just squeezes harder and then you hear Arn and he wakes up. What the fuck? You know, sweating, just getting up, it's daytime. The, the scene is no longer blue. It's just, you know, orange. It's morning. Everything's fine. Everything's always been fine. What the hell? And his girlfriend's looking at him like, I, are you going to get up this time? And he's like, what? She's like, you are going to stay awake this time. And he's, I, I'm sorry. She's like, are you sleepwalking or something? You got up and went to the restroom and then went outside in your clothes 15 minutes ago and you just came back and he's like what she's like all right whatever just if you're gonna get up this time breakfast is ready you know like and he's he's stunned and he's you know up in his covers and he pulls his covers away and you're like oh shit and he's kind of pulling them away slowly because he feels weird and then he flips them up and clean i'm fine right clean Okay, yeah. And then he gets up, and you, you, this, the camera's behind him looking at the door where she was just standing. And when he sits up, there's a claw mark down his back that's been bleeding through his pajama shirt, right? Ever whatever. It's an old 1960s rocker shirt, some white thing, you know? Led Sabbath. Led Sabbath. Oh my God. Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, whatever the fuck. And it's just, you can see the rents in the shirt and the blood coming through it. Like it was just like the, the fabric caught, not a clean cut, but like the fabric caught on whatever got him. And he sits up and he, he gets up and he turns around and he sees the blood marks on the, on the, the sheets and just, oh! and she's like, what? And he's like, and now he has to lie, right? But why? Why does he have to lie? But he has to lie. 
So he, he rips the sheets off and his shirt and, and, and tries to like look at himself and he's, what the fuck happened? And he, for some reason, he wants to hide this so bad. And then he, 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 he puts all this stuff in, the, in, the, in, the, in a laundry basket or, or better yet, well, we got to make a hiding place for him, right? He, he, he sticks it off to the side and, and he tries to go to the shower and he, he, he finds out that the scratches aren't as bad as he thought looking at him and stuff. And he's like, what the fuck did I do? And uh, he goes and he has breakfast, and she's like, "Why? Like, did you take the sheets off the bed?" And he's like, uh, "Yeah, I had a I had bad dreams last night. They're they're really sweaty." And she's like, "Okay, well, just throw them in the laundry, and I'll, I'll take care of them later." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, okay." He has got to go to his job, right? So he goes to his job at the uh, at the motor center before he goes there, and he gets dressed. He he's looking at that ball of sheets. What the fuck did I? What was that dream? Why is that bloody like that? And every time he does it, he, he does this thing where he stretches his back and you can hear his vertebrae popping. Almost too much. Like his shoulder blades are almost going to touch. It starts off as just a nervous gesture, you know? Like, oh, okay, he's going to roll his shoulders. You know, people do that. But it just goes a touch too far. And then he's done. And then you see him. It cuts to him opening the cellar beneath the house and he just tosses them down in there. And they... And underneath the cellar, you have those little, you have little vents, right? It's a deep cellar, about four or five feet, big poles, big square support poles everywhere. And as we, we follow the tumbling clothes down there and, you know, and as we get into there, you see like the nice sunlight streaming into here. And even though we're under the house, we're in the woods again. It's very dark. And, you know, you feel that. As the the tumble, as the the clothes tumble into a pattern, maybe you can go slow. As dust comes up, and as the dust starts to rise, it goes. When he shuts the thing, and and we follow the dust, and then the dust lands on something else a little bit further underneath the house, something oddly shaped. You know, you get that little, and then we cut to Ed and Lorraine. So we go deeper, right? Ed is just like not feeling right about something. And Vera's not feeling right about it. It's something else. Maybe she's been having some sort of like odd dreams and she wants to talk to him. And so, they, you know, they're getting ready to do another one of these goddamn things. And he's just like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I, I just, I don't think I can. Can we cancel? Like, I, we've never canceled before. She's like, all right, fine. You know, that's not a big deal. How about I handle it and you stay back? And he's like, can you, can you really handle it? And she's like, what do you mean, can I really handle it? And he's like, well, you know, Vera, you're not always good around people. <laughs> the way that Patrick, knows, Patrick Wilson has about talking. And so, they, uh, so they're, they're sort of doing this thing. And she goes on stage and she's, you know, you idiot. And then she gets up there. And because she's, she's, she's sensitive, right? She's got that ESP problem. She starts answering questions, right? And while she's answering questions, she starts having that feeling, you know, it's, it, it's that, that feeling that she gets. It's almost like after you had that third drink and you get that first little bit of swimminess in your head where you don't know if it's dangerous or if it's fun, that little bit of buzz. And it's, you know, it feels great being up there. All these people are talking to her. She is important, God damn it. She's always been important, right? Just because Ed's not here doesn't mean that she can't talk to people. Why? That's insane. And she's, she's getting filled up, filled up by these people. And it's, it's, it's kind of enlivening. All these lights are sort of on her. 
and she's talking to people and, and Ed's kind of watching her from a distance and feeling like worse and worse about himself. He's getting lower. His shoulders are falling. He feels sick almost, you know, just like that way. And he, he looks outside and in the distance, it's like, you know, soy field, right? It's not corn like it was when they were outside of the, uh, out of Arnhem's place out there in, out there in Indiana or whatever. They're in, they're in, well, <laughs> I guess there would be soy everywhere. Uh, they were in Ohio. Now they're in Indiana. It's a nice big soy field, right? Now from the, off in the distance, there's like a, you know, a little silo and uh, like a little fake rotating windmill thing or even one of those big steel topped windmills or whatever. And he's watching like an irrigation uh, pipe go across the, go across the field and just trying to gather himself. He's listening to, to, to Lorraine just have the fucking time of her life. And then when he looks at the little tree break that's on the side of the field, is that a horse? And he looks closer, and there's something, and its eyes are very big, and its face is long, and right from behind him. Hello? Uh, yes, hi. Uh, sorry, were you there a long time? No. I haven't been here a long time at all. My name's Ashley. Or, oh no, sorry, Ashley's in my fucking story right now. What's a, what's a, what's a good name? What's a good name? Uh, my name's Jennifer. Pleasure to meet you. Uh, Ed Warren. Oh, I know, I know, Ed Warren. I've heard so much about you. So very much about you and your wife, Ed Warren. Yeah, well, uh, it's great to meet you. Why aren't you talking? Why aren't you out there with your wife having a conversation right now? I'm sure all those people drove so far to see you. Yeah, well, you know, um, she does a great job by herself. She's out there, um, you know, on her own all the time. I, I don't try to hold her down. Hold her down? No. I suppose not. You seem like a non-traditional couple like that, aren't you? Just uh, sharing the workload? Yes, um, I'm sorry, uh, Jennifer, was it? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, what, what, what brings you here? Oh, I wanted to see you and your wife. I have a particular problem, you see. Yeah, uh, well, uh, there are channels normally that we go through, but uh, I guess I have a few minutes. If you do, would you mind talking? And they have a conversation, right? And it's very odd. And Ed feels kind of cornered. You know, he, he doesn't want to have this. And he keeps looking over and Vera's just living it up. And the longer he looks, the more it seems like inside that room, it's so bright. The yellow light is kind of falling on her and she's not even looking at him. She's only got eyes for those people. And it doesn't seem like this woman's problem is really a problem. All she can seem to talk about is, is him and uh, if he's okay. Because, you know, her problem's not that big. Her problem is one of her kids is, uh, you know, acting up recently, kind of misbehaving. And he's like, well, you know, that might not be anything nefarious. Oh, no, a misbehaving child out there, you know, misbehaving and, and getting into his own sort of thing. You don't think that's a problem? Well, <laughs> it's a problem, of course, you know, and it's an issue, but I, I don't think it's maybe necessarily anything supernatural. Kids are just the way they are. Kids are just the way they are. Isn't that true, Mr. Warren? 
Isn't that true? Well, I hope to be seeing from you and your wife soon. I have my own sort of issues, and I guess I'll go through the proper channels this time, make sure you're notified the way that you most expect. I would hate to be a surprise of any sort. Well, I, I, I would appreciate that. Uh, goodbye. Oh, of course, goodbye, but uh, I have noticed something, Mr. Warren, and all your pictures you used to wear. A cross right there on that chain. Yes, uh, I did. It was damaged recently. I haven't had a chance to replace it. Of course. It's a shame to lose something like that. Something so important to your heart. Well, if you find it, I... <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Well, I, I hope you can find it. I know if I lost what I have right here, and, you know, we zoom in on her hand, and there's something underneath her uh, jacket that she's wearing. She's wearing like almost a cardigan. She's, this woman is dressed darkly. Blues and purples, a nice shawl. She looks like a mother of five type, you know, maybe with a deceased husband. Sunken features, thin hair, but a proper ponytail, a librarian or something. Over the top of this thing that's tucked inside of her cardigan, she has a simple set of red-rimmed reading glasses with a notched, almost rosary-like uh, glasses chain. You know, and as she as she talks to him, she even takes this and, and cleans these glasses, even though she hasn't touched them. Well, I really do hope you find what you're looking for, Mister Warren. Likewise, I hope your son's doing well. Oh, I'm sure wherever he is, he is. Wherever he is, he's doing just fine, Mr. Warren, just fine. Well, see you soon. And Ed's like, okay, yeah, well, thank you. He looks back out the window, and when he does, all he can see is maybe the tail of like a horse or maybe even a deer walking into the woods, just like that sort of haunch shape. That was weird. All right, fine. Goes back and talks to his wife, and she's standing there having the time of her life. And now we cut to Lorraine. How's Lorraine doing? Lorraine feels amazing. Lorraine is on top of the world. Big breaths. I just know when we were out there in Farmington, it was like a revival. The way that we spoke to those people, and that when she looks into the crowd, the faces are big, very slow, very, very... Big emotive. Ha, 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 whoa. Yes, when you see a woman's face in the crowd, when she sees this woman, her eyes are so wide, she's almost panicked, almost frenetic with her passion for this moment. And Vera kind of locks on this woman whose eyes are just opening wider and wider. And then to the behind her is a man who reaches up and he's got a very large hand. And he leans up and grabs this woman by the shoulder and he's laughing. <laughs> and his, his mouth seems just a touch too big and his eyes are kind of dark. It's odd. And she can't see anything but the reflections of the wetness there, those tiny little beads of white. And, and, and this scene just gets crazier and, and crazier. And she's, she's realized, 
maybe I, maybe I don't have it. And some of the questions are odd. Have you seen where my daughter is? I haven't I haven't seen her in in a few hours, Miss Warren. Is is the ceremony going to go okay? Well, I think the ceremony will be just fine. That that wasn't one of the questions we were meant to be asked. I I haven't seen my husband in 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 so long, and I just wish I could talk to him. Could you help me talk to him? I, I don't. I don't do that. And then the questions start coming. And then, you know, you start feeling that, that little bit of, a little bit of vibration. I, I think I, I just need a break. I, I'm sorry. You're all asking so many questions. And as it gets worse, you see the same woman, Jessica, that was talking to her, standing very politely, just in the shape of a doorway behind them, her hands clasped over each other, the tiny reading glasses moving up from her. She takes them with a hand and then you realize that her hands are still clasped and there is actually something coming out from behind her. It's big hand wrapped around her waist. It's face almost too dark to see, but the teeth are there and the eyes are yellow and slitted like a cat's and it puts the glasses on her eyes for her the way that like an angel will hold its hands around a deified person in a statue. And then Vera can't take any, or Lorraine can't take anymore. And she steps back, barely able to breathe. And people are rushing up on stage, almost going to attack her. She's, she's being attacked. She's, she's fighting at them. Like, no, no, Miss, Miss Warren, are you okay? Are you okay? And then we cut and this, this lighting effect is gone. And, and the room is small and it is very normal. And she's on her back having a panic attack, just breathing. <sighs> and these people are helping her. She hasn't hit any of them. And, and Ed is standing in the doorway, paralyzed. He should be going to his wife. He should be going to his wife, but he's, he's not. These people are between her and him. These people are between her and him. And, and, and she, they help her, to her, help her up. And he's holding the missing cross at his neck, watching her get raised up and she turns and looks at him and he turns and looks at her and the gulf is deep and they don't know how to cross it. And then we play like a little bit of like, I don't know, maybe if you're not country, but uh, something like a little softer. And we cut back to Arn and Arn is not doing okay. It's been a couple days and uh, Arn has just a scratch that's coming out of the side of his neck, right? And that's all that we can see. He's wearing his little high collar. He's got on his full body jumpsuit. It's all oil stained. It's all greasy and stuff. He looks as bad as Ed did in that first scene. And he's uh, going over there to the to, to to work, driving his car. Boom, 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 boom. And every every bump seems to like almost get him. Like he's gonna fall asleep at the wheel, right? He almost kind of does. And he shakes himself back up. Car shoots past him. He keeps pulling his thing back to scratch at this fucking thing on his neck. It's, ugh. You know he gets in. Ding ding. Walks in. You know. Hey, what's up, Arnie? Oh, hey, is how you doing, Harv? You, uh, you man, we got three over there, one on top of bay two. Uh, oil change and brakes. You get that done, maybe you should go home, you know? Look, I told you the other day, I don't need it. He's like, all right, I get it, I get it, I get it. But you uh, just finish that up, man. I'll, I'll pay for the day. But you don't look good. I mean, it gets a little bit closer. Like, you haven't been doing drugs again, have you? No, man, I haven't touched the stuff. Been like four years, okay? I haven't touched anything. I don't do that sort of stuff. I just can't sleep. Okay, okay, okay. Bay two, oil change, brakes, get it done. 
take your lunch break, and then we'll talk about getting you another car. We got plenty out there. We need tons of work done. I got, a, I got one of them goddamn Japanese cars in, one of them, you know, Honda Civics or whatever it is, about crushing half on a, on a tree pole. And we're going to be spending all day rebuilding that thing, so maybe, uh, maybe you can help us with the transmission on that. How does that sound? Yeah, it sounds fine. That sounds fine. You mind if I get to work? All right. On you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, welcome to Merv's. Come on in. Da, 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 da. You know, he goes to work and he's standing in front of the car and the car is over top of him, right? You know, got to empty the oil and he's bling, 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 kind of just cutting quickly through all of him. Take the oil filter off, pour the stuff up. He's making mistakes, little tiny mistakes, you know. Uh, not getting out of the way of the oil filter when it dumps and and uh, dropping the pan, right? He's like, fuck, why didn't I just fucking sit on the goddamn ground? He's got oil on his hands, leaking into his things. Shit. Rolls back his sleeve, and underneath his sleeve, you can see this barely healed gash going up his arm, right? He's got a bandage around it, but the bandage doesn't look good. It's a little yellow, a little crusty, a little brown. And he looks at it. He looks at it for a while. And while he's looking at it, he looks down into the pit, you know, the little, the little trough that goes underneath the cars for him to work on, right? And he's just, while he's staring at it, he just feels that, that, that feeling. You know, you kind of see him swaying and he blinks. What the hell? And he looks around like, hey, like Merv? I can't remember what the hell I called the first guy. Merv? There's people milling about in the office all of a sudden. Like, so many people. Odd. But Merv said that there'd be a bunch of people here today, so it's all right, fine. But they're loud. And for some reason, it's really yellow in there, right? The rest of the garage is kind of blue and, and dark. Storm clouds overhead. And he looks behind him. And outside, it's just, you know, a little, a little uh, country road. And then there's the woods. And then on the far side... Or then the then a field and then on the far side the woods and he's looking at the woods. They kind of just seem so deep and dark. He shakes it off. God damn it! He looks back at the trough underneath him and he can see something. Skitter back under there. There. What the fuck was that? The hell? Then he kind of gets down, and when he gets down to look underneath the car, on the other side, he sees himself. It's a mirror, a perfect mirror. But this other him is dark. It's like the oil completely covered him. He's black and wet. And his eyes are, are, are like little hot pits of light. And he shakes it off. That, that can't be it. And then when he looks back, it's gone. Because of course it's gone. Of course it's gone. And then he looks over at the, the office. And when he looks over at the office this time, these windows are opaque, right? It's a small five by five or maybe like a, a four by eight rectangular window about hip height, opaque glass with, with the little wires in it, right? It's really bright in there, like dark orange. But this time you can see little shapes of people. Boom. 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 Like banging their heads on the glass almost. Like... Like kids, like bored kids, but that doesn't make sense. That's, that's not, that doesn't make sense at all. I mean, it looks closer. It's like their eyes are too wide and all white and rimmed with like a hot, wavering orange light. You can keep hearing that 
reverberating noise. And he's, all right, I just got to do breaks. It's what he just says to him. He just says, breaks in oil, breaks in oil, breaks in oil, breaks in oil. And then he's, he gets under there and he's, he's, he's redoing the oil, right? Puts the cap back on the oil pan. He's tightening in the, tightening in the, um, the oil filter. And you see one of the little stops on the car, you know, that keep it from rolling off on this old school thing. Just go. He's like, what the hell? He looks at it and it's, it's like this thing is like badly made or something. Like that hasn't been like that. It hasn't been like that at all. And the, the, the lift arm like looks like it's bending. He's like, what? And he goes around to look at it more and he touches it and it goes. And it's like, ah, oh, God damn it. All right, I'm going to put it down and then I'll just do everything from, from underneath, right? Maybe I'll, I'll get it. I'll jack it up on a thing. He's messing with the lift and it's kind of going up and down. Like, what the fuck? And he's kind of trying to jam it and get it to work right. And then it pops, you know, up and he's like, fuck. And he just drops it on the ground. He's like, it looks fine enough. You know, maybe I'll just, I'll just do it. Right. And he starts whipping the tires off and he's and now when we look even when he's not looking and we 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 follow him doing his work those things are still beating on the glass and that becomes part of the soundtrack And it, it just gets more intense and he's just working his way we're going flash work work flash work work and now he's having fucking dream again but even while he's awake and he sees his girlfriend and he's he's reaching out to grab her but he's grabbing you know a brake rotor and now he's he's strangling her but he's actually just pushing the brake rotor onto the uh onto the bolts and this thing is the, 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 the fucking lift is fucked, right? And these things are beating and he's sweating now. His whole fucking body's sweating. He's itching at this fucking thing on his arm. It just fucking itches. It just fucking itches. And now he's just holding his fucking wrench and it's clenched in his hands and he's just sitting there itching it. And he he's actually, what he's really trying to do is pull this thing off, but he's, he's not even paying attention to this lug nut that he's working on. And then it's just... And it, it pops the lug and the whole car goes and falls off right next to him. And he's looking and this thing is about to fall on him. And this hand, this rotten hand grabs him right by his lapels and drags him out, throws him across the floor. And for a second, he can see it. And it's him, but his face is fucked. His jaw is so wide and long and thin, like a collie's snout, but only on the bottom side, flapping up and down. God damn it, Arn! And he comes back, fucking pushing himself back across the uh, back across the ground. Whoa! What happened? Are you okay? The whole fucking car's falling down. What happened? And he's like, I think, I think the lift gave out. I think the lift came out. And he looks behind him and there's just a few people just looking out that window. And it's, it's normal. Everything's normal. It's not blue in here. It's midday. Everything's brightly lit. It's fine. His arm is out. And for a second, Merv can see it. And he, he hides it. And he, he holds it. He's like, what, are you hurt? What is that? And he goes, nothing. I just, I got a rash. 
He's like, Arn, Arn, come on. What, what the fuck, man? That's somebody's car. Are you going to be okay? I'm fine. And he stands up. And now all of a sudden, it's, it, it's weird. And Murph's standing back. And he's got that fucking wrench in his hand still. And he's beating against the wall. I'm fine. I'm fine. Fuck. Boom. He throws it down and runs out. And he just runs into the, into the fucking field. <sighs> and he's just sprinting. He's tearing off his fucking clothes because he can't breathe. And then he's just out there and he's, his chest is scrawny. And the scratch marks are everywhere. Festering, blistered, disgusting. And he's just... <gasps> and his breathing gets harder and harder and harder. And like, it's, it's, it's the top of him. The camera's over top of him, and then it's just going down. And he's he's just stripping down, and then he's just in his boxers, freaking out, running through this field. And you can see, like, in the shadows around the, 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 the station, just things. Like the thing that put the glasses on the woman, just scratching at the side of the, of the building. <sighs> and going back in and then we cut to him and again it's just him and he's distant now he's so far from us sprinting into the darkness at the edge of the woods boom and then we cut to you know and then we we, we gotta do a little bit i guess i've probably been doing this for too long but <laughs> we go to we go to ed and lorraine and they have some arguments and stuff we can get this is all middle action stuff so we have a few more scares ed is you know maybe goes and talks to his old priest and stuff and and during this you know Lorraine is also like she's she's starting to freak out because when she doesn't have Ed around to ground her she starts to float up way too high and when Ed doesn't have her to sort of you know fill him he's deflates and goes down they need each other desperately and they don't have each other and they kind of go on their separate ways and at this point they realize that something is gone wrong they both start seeing the signs you know ed keeps seeing these people without these goddamn there's nothing on their necklace and 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 and, and one of you even stops him you know and just like hey bud how you doing ed warren right like yeah 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 he's like you know i heard about all of that good work you were doing over there in farmington and i guess farmington we can just say the farmingtons wherever the fuck they were and everything it might actually be the name of the place from the whatever but he's like well that didn't really go the way i wanted oh not the way you wanted well you know, things don't always go the way you want, but that doesn't mean they didn't go the right way. Well, you have a good day. You have a great day. All right. And he's, what the fuck was that? And he, he watches the guy kind of walk, look like as he's walking away and the dude just keeps looking back at him and waving. And then one time he looks back at him and the dude's completely fucking gone. What the fuck is going on with me? And then Lorraine has her run in with the lady, you know, and, and I don't even know how that would go. It'd probably be a blast. <laughs> like I'm talking too long, but I'm having so much fun with this. I'm just gonna keep going. If I've if I've still got you guys around, I hope you're I hope you're having a good time. So we go to like Lorraine, right? And 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 she's just trying to like quiet the voices in her head, and she's just you know touching her temples and stuff. And maybe she's at a place that that calms her. They're back in their hometown, you know. And she keeps going to uh, let's see. How about a coffee shop? She goes to a coffee shop that she likes. She knows the people there. Hi. Marine, oh hi Lorraine, how you doing? I, we heard about all of that over there in Farmington. She's like, yeah. 
I keep hearing about it. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I know you don't like me talking about work while you're here. She's like, it's fine, it's fine. She goes and has her coffee, right? And while she's having her coffee, she's trying to page the newspaper and she can't even look at the newspaper without seeing visions of everything that she's seen. You know, three dead in a car crash, child missing, found, child missing, foul play suspected. And she sees the, the bloated corpse of a baby floating gently against a, against a, a tree limb in a river. <gasps> Flips it, you know, teen like beloved son, dead, unfortunately, blah, 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 just an obituary. And, and she sees this kid hanging, his neck slit open by a fucking bloody tree limb while his, his friends are laying dead in the car below him. And it's just his last three seconds on earth. And he's looking right at her. And then she's like, God. and she pushes it away. And she thinks, and she's like, uh, and you can tell she wants to call Ed, but Ed's been having his own problems. And all of a sudden, right into the seat across from her, well, hello. Uh, hello. Uh, sorry. I, 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 don't, I don't believe we know each other. We don't. Well, I, and I am so sorry this is one-sided, but I'm a big fan of yours. A very big fan. My name is Jessica. And I know you're Lorraine Warren, but would you mind that we shook hands? And they shake hands, and it's a long, slow time before they touch. Almost like an eternity. And Lorraine flinches. But there's nothing. No visions. No, no scenes of disaster. No bad feelings. Just warm skin. A handshake. Nice and easy. She smiles at the hand. <laughs> it's, it's honestly nice to meet you, Jessica. <laughs> Likewise, very much so. You know, I've spoken to your husband when you were having that little conversation with that congregation out there in Bloomingdale or wherever the fuck they were. Oh, yes. Uh, and, and, you know, you can tell this is uncomfortable for Lorraine because that wasn't a great day for her or Ed. Uh, <laughs> did you stay for the thing? I did. You may have seen me. I don't know if you did. I was at the back, near the door. Do you remember? And Lorraine almost can. But what she remembers is just a woman, maybe this woman, with a child. But what she can remember is a hand holding glasses and putting it on the woman's face for her. And she looks down and sees those same glasses on her chest, along with a necklace that goes down beneath her cardigan. Uh, are you, yes, are, are you religious? Oh, quite, quite. I could say I'm almost a fanatic of sorts. Uh, at least that's what the people who know me most best say. My children, especially. But their devotion is almost as powerful as mine. It's good to have devotion, you know. I spoke to Ed some about that. It seems that his is lapsing to a degree. I don't mean to pry. No, it's It's fine. It's fine. Uh, we're public figures, after all. People tend to pry a lot. And, well, I don't sense anything uh, off about being with you. And they both get the joke and laugh. <laughs> sense. Of course, you've had your senses for a long time, right? Almost since I was a girl. It's been with me the entire life, you know. Yes. I have gifts, too, like that. It's hard to share them. Even to bring them up with people. Even, even folks like you who are you know, burdened with glory. It's 
a burden. It is. One hopes it can be uplifting, but it isn't always at times. My children help me get through it. You have children of your own, I think. Yes, yes, I have a daughter. She's going off to college soon. Wonderful. That old. My children are older. They've all left the house. One of them, in fact, has been a most unruly boy in his young adulthood. Off the chain, but he is the youngest of his brothers. <sighs> a free spirit. What can you do? What, what can you do? I, I guess. Yes. What can you do? Well, I hope you have a wonderful day. You're here to relax, and I've taken up so much of your time. She stands up, and with her, it's almost like a little film has raised over everything. And Lorraine is afraid, because if she tilts her head down so slightly, this line across the screen, she can see below it too. And there are things out there in the streets, against the walls, fingers with nails so sharp they cut through glass. And then it's over, just gone. You know, you get that little, that little thing. Doreen, <gasps> oh, are you all right, dear? And this time, she touches her shoulder, and the world opens up. And Jessica, or Jessica touches Lorraine's shoulder, and Lorraine can see everything. She's there, watching the boy's eyes, the possessed kid from the very first scene. She's watching his boy's, his eyes return to normal, or actually even better, even better than that. She's looking at Arn's face, and Arn, Arn is sad, and he's, he's scared, and he's screaming, I'll do it! Take me! Take me! And it's, then his eyes start to go bad. And almost like double vision, you see the boy's face as his eyes return to normal. And the kids, no, no. And then it, she's, 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 and she's not herself. She's, she's someone else, but it's still her. The bodies overlapped, basically two people doing the same scene, edited together with green screen. So sometimes one of them is in the front and the other times the other. And it's Arn, and he's naked in the woods, just as boxers. He's filthy. His eyes are insane. His fingers are curled up against his chest. And he's going, and his eyes fucking jaw is opening up and he's clawing at his face. His body is covered in these wet, weeping sores and he's slapping mud on himself. And he looks up, and his teeth seem a little too thin. Not sharp, but just too thin and too long. And he bites down into the throat of a dead horse that's laying in the edge of the woods. And he's ripping it out, and his eyes are white. And he's just using his teeth. His hands are worthless, clutched up against his chest, vibrating against his breastbone. And behind him are figures approaching. And they are not human. Their legs are thickly muscled. Some of them walk on cloven hooves. They all have those uh, tardigrade, no, not tardigrade, ambigrade. They have like deer feet, you know. So they're, 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 they're back feet, like the back feet of any like four-legged animal. They're, and he looks back at them and screams, like he's, like he's de defending his own meal. And then you just see between them the flowing purple and black skirts. 
Jessica approaching and she kneels and she strokes his hair and he puts his face against her. And then Lorraine wakes up and she's, she's in, she's in the coffee shop, just fucking having a full on panic attack, looking around the ladies at the thing. Jessica's gone, but just right in front of her on a, on, on the, the, what do you call it? Just like on the 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 little tablecloth is just the smoldering uh, black of of a pentagram, or even better, not fuck a pentagram. That's too dumb. Just some cool symbol. I haven't drawn it yet. We'll just imagine one. Imagine me. Imagine it being one of mine. We'll just put the fucking um, I don't know. Put the hand of sticks there, and it kind of goes out. And she's like watching it, and then it in the fire. And she whoa! <laughs> she has to slap it out. It's kind of funny. And then her her person looks over at her, and she's like, "What? What was that?" And she's the woman that was just sitting here was was smoking, and she dropped a cigarette. I guess it it, it fell out of the ashtray. And the woman looks at the ashtray, which is empty, sitting against the wall because Lorraine doesn't smoke. And she's just like, "Lorraine, what woman?" And then we go back to uh, Ed, right? And Ed and her are having this conversation. And Ed's just like, I, I don't know. We probably have to have a couple little filler scenes. We should probably have something there with the guy, you know. Okay, so like um, he comes back, right? We got Arn. And Arn is, Arn is in his house now. And Arn does not feel good. Arn is not well. And Arn is not, no longer wearing any clothes but, but, but pants. And he's just standing and just, and he's got this kind of rhythm to him. He's rocking his shoulders, his head's down, and he pops all of the vertebrae in his spine, his shoulders roll back. And this time you can see something beneath the skin where his ribs should be. But then he rolls it back. His, his girlfriend shows up. She's like, hey, what, what, why aren't you at work? And he's just like, I quit. I, I had to quit. Like, you, you quit your job? What did Marv say? <coughs> oh, sorry, I didn't mean to burp. I've been doing too many verses, too many voices, and now I got fucking air in my stomach. What did Arn say? Or what did Merv say? He's fine with it. I, I, I broke a car. He's, I think he called. Do we have any liquor? Do you want a drink? No. We don't keep that in the house anymore, Arn. And no, we shouldn't drink. Why the fuck not? And then they have like an argument, right? And she's just like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you, but you have been not okay. Like, do you want to talk to somebody? Do we need to go see the priest or something? He's like, no. And she's scared. And he's like, I don't want to see any fucking priests in here. She's like, okay. 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 Get out. And he, he, he's starting to freak out. Just get the fuck out. And, he, and she leaves and he throws something and when he throws it at the wall, boom, it breaks. But then you see the ceiling over top of him. <laughs> fucking claws, big fucking. And then the plaster dust is falling at him. And he looks up at it and it's like light falling on his face. And he closes his eyes as the plaster like cakes his skin. And when he opens his eyes, they're black. Dope. All right, cool. Intermediary scene. Ed and Warren have a conversation. Neither of them are feeling good, but they both arrive at the, at the, we need to go back to Farmington, don't we? 
And she's like, I, I think so. And they, this is, I guess, where we, we can sort of start to do like the mini mystery, right? We've done like all of our inciting in the incidents because we're setting up, by the way, the Ed and Lorraine fucking expanded universe. This will be movie one of three. Why not? Because I'm not setting up this fucking dope ass witch to just get fucking killed. So we 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 figure out like she's like okay I've I've been this and he's like I have been feeling this and they're like and she she mentions like Jessica he goes yeah I I did meet that woman and this tall dressed in purple and and black she's talking about her kids and she's like yeah her kids I'm like bizarre you know and so they're well what what that's not it's not right. What should we do? And she's like, well, I don't know. We should maybe. And then this is where they, you would normally put like the antiquarian. So we got to find something. And they have their gigantic bunch of shit at their house. So this is where we're going to try to go and find out like maybe who Jessica is or just even ask about it. More than likely, though, we just go back to Farmington. Why not? So we go to Farmington and we go back to the kid's house and they're like, hey, and the, the, the people are happy to see him. Hi, Ed, Lorraine, come in, come in, come in. What, what brings you around here? They're like, well, oh, you know, we're just uh, checking up. Like, do you do that? Do you do, do, you do checkups after, after an exorcism? Is that, is that normal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's perfectly normal. Just like, uh, you know, any, any sort of health thing. Ed's kind of feeling himself again, you know. He's bantering. Lorraine's right with him and, and they feel good. He keeps touching his chest because, you know, he misses that cross being there. He still has it in his pocket, though, which we find out soon. He takes it out and looks at it because he's standing right over where the thing knocked him to the ground where he had his, his bad moment to go into the house. And now he can feel the same way that he felt that night. And it doesn't feel clean. And he talks to Lorraine and, and, and they say, you know, they have a little conversation like, doesn't feel right, does it? She's like, doesn't, doesn't feel 100%. And then they see the kid, and the kid's having a great time. He's running around in the backyard, and they're like, oh, hey, is that little Timmy, whatever the fuck his name was? Like, oh, yeah, 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 take Tim. Come on in. Come on in. This is, uh, this is Ed and Lorraine. You remember them, right? And like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. And they're like, oh, no, no problem. How, how have you been feeling? He's like, well, it's been good since the voice went away. Yeah, can you, can you tell us a little bit about it? And, and, and if, it, if it told you a name... Any names at all, don't use them. The kid said, I know. I don't use the names because he said he'd come back if I ever used them. So I can't share them. That's probably for the best, like Ed says, you know. And the kid's like, I still have this on my hand. And when he shows him, he raises his hand, there's still that burn mark in his skin from the cross. And uh, Ed says, I'm sorry about that. The kid says, I didn't do it. And you didn't do it. He did it. It was his fault. Ed, this is when Ed pulls that cross back out of his hand. He says, I still have the cross. And he's like, would you like it? And the kid looks at it. And he just takes it without even thinking because he's clean now. And he holds it in his hand and he goes, it wanted me to show you that it didn't hurt, but it hurt very badly. It burned him. And I think that's why he left me and went with Arn. And they go, what? Yeah. I thought you knew. And like, no, what, what did we know? What, what happened? Who, who, what happened to Arn? Well, he was like an empty cup, but he's full now. The way I'm empty. 
And then he hands back the cross and he goes, I don't feel comfortable. I'm going to go outside and play again. And they're like, oh, okay, okay. And they stand up and the kid's dad was standing right next to him. And he looks at Ed and Lorraine and goes, I, Arn, my, my sister, my daughter's boyfriend. What, what, what's wrong with Arn? He was just there to help that night. And they're like, it's, it's probably nothing. And he gets, the friendliness is a little gone. He goes, no, no, Ed, we have some good blood between us, but if Arn is dangerous, what, 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 what does that mean? What did he just say about Arn? It's don't just, where is he? Where is he right now? Well, he, he lives just down the street. My daughter and him have a place. They're not married yet, but that's not a problem as far as I'm concerned. Let me just give you his phone number. Okay, that's probably for the best. That's probably for the best. So we go out to, um, we go out to the, to Arn's area, right? They drive in and, and, and now, you know, Lorraine's still driving and, and, and you can tell she doesn't feel 100%. She's kind of blinking and like almost rubbing at her eye. And uh, Ed is, Ed is, he's holding the cross again, right? And he's even touching it to his chest. And then, but as they get closer to the place and he kind of looks, because this is just like a little tiny clapboard house, you know, maybe three rooms in a bathroom, just in a, in a field that they don't, that they rent the property off of, the field around, it's like a farm field. It's this big, fucking big fucking corn why not we'll put it in the fall big fucking corn all the way around it and beyond the corn just the canopy of the trees and he looks at that and he gets he edges grimaces puts it away in his pocket Uh, uh. and while the rain's driving she's says you know she just holds his hand and she's like i i can feel it there's something here and it's not what we felt at the other house in farmington whatever the fucking at, at timmy's house He's like, what does that mean? She's like, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, so we cut to another scene, and it's, it's the girl comes back, right? Um, Aaron's girlfriend, and, and she's talking, and Aaron is just there. And he's swaying, and he's clearly drunk. And she's just like, hey, I told you you can't be drinking. And he's like, not drinking. What? I'm not drinking. Then what's that bottle in your hand? Why don't you come closer and I'll show you. Arn, this isn't funny. He stands up. (laughs) Fucking table goes by. But when he stands up, his shadow... It's a little bit bigger than it should be. It's the light's blue. It seems like it's dark outside. And his back flexes. Arn? He cracks his neck. Arn? Let me show you. And then... And he runs at her. And you can only sort of see like some of it. And she's... No! Arn! And then... And, you know, we cut, we intersperse this with the, uh, with the, um, what are they called? With uh, Ed and Lorraine, Jesus Christ, with the Warrens, the Warrens are approaching. And, you know, it got a little low camera following them through the corn. It's waving. 
and they're 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 putting their hand on the doorknob. And right as they do, we see her. We see we see Arn's girlfriend open the doorknob, and then it gets pulled back. And as they it gets pulled back, Ed opens it into the house. Hello, and it's dark and it's empty. And we're cutting, and as he's walking, Ed, Lorraine's holding on to him, grabs him. Ed, Ed, let's let's go back outside. No, we we don't know if there's something in there. We, I know something's in there. And then you see the girl screaming. <sighs> Fucking just cuts opening up on her face. Stop, Arn! She's slapping him. And his eyes roll back into his head all the way gone. And you see his hands. And they just get bigger. And then she's just. And, and, and Lorraine stumbles back out of the house, you know, like a side, side view. And Ed's coming back out to her. Lorraine, what's wrong? She's like, we're too late. Oh, my God, we're too late. And then she's just, she, she runs up past him and shuts the door. And pulls it shut. And then she looks at him and, and grabs his necklace off of him, right? And she's like, and then she pats his pocket and, 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 and takes his cross off and, and, and tries to connect it back again and, and hangs it over the doorknob. And just as she does that, the doorknob goes and closes. And they back up. And Ed's looking around the house and she's like, we just need to call the police. Just don't go in there. Don't go in there. And they do. They call the police. And when the, the police come up, you're right, they show, they, they, we, we, we find Arn inside, right? And he's just still at the table and he's swaying like back and forth. And there are claw marks everywhere. This place is fucking ruined, shredded to pieces. There's blood all over the place. He's still drinking his bottle. And they're like, all right, son, hands up. And he just raises his hands and he just, and you see in his face and it's, it's just his normal exhausted face. He's covered in scratches himself. He's as wounded as the house around him. I'm done. <laughs> and they arrest him. They pull him up and he gets taken out past Ed and Lorraine Warren. And uh, when he's walking past them, he smiles and his eyes are wrong. Just fucking wrong, red rimmed, almost pale, like the color's gone out of him. And he just says, Too late, Ed. See you soon, Lorraine. And they lead him to the car and put him in there. And they're like, All right, Ed, Lorraine, uh, sorry to see you under the circumstances. Well, uh, we're glad you called, but if you would have called a few hours sooner, it might have been better. Hell, if you would have called a few weeks sooner. And all this might not have been what it was. And then you you see the same shot from before where it's the clothes rolling down into the the cellar. But this time when it opens, it's the sheriff's feet. And they step into the dust. You see them looking in and their faces are disgusted. The flashlights are dancing like, like beams. Behind everything, looking over, you see the rotted bed sheets because it's been a few weeks, maybe even a month or two. The bed sheets are rotted. There's a pool of something on the ground. And then you start seeing little animals, just shredded chunks of beavers, possums, 
cats, dogs, and then you see a child's hand, and then you see like a human, another person's foot, and then you see finally Arn's girlfriend, her face ragged, the bones showing, her throat open from her chin down to her own ripped open chest cage, and then you can see just the darkness where her organs used to be. And then you see Ed and, Ed and Lorraine are fucking beaten because they were too fucking late, right? And they get a call at their house, you know, days later, and then driving away. Them driving away would be interspersed with that last shot. Picture of, of Ed just looking defeated and Lorraine still driving. And then they get a call from the, from the officer, right? And he's like, well, you know, I don't blame you two for what happened. You can't blame anyone but that boy. And he wants to talk to you, but I don't feel rightly like I want to grant that, given what happened. <sighs> that girl's dad said you two might be able to help. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't care. There are some things that we found down amongst that mess, which I have no experience with. and. For all the good it'll do, I'll show them to you before we hand them off to the FBI because this has crossed state lines. So it'll be out of my jurisdiction as of tomorrow. It's a federal case. And, well, I already had a few conversations with them and they aren't too keen on letting you see any of this. So you got 10 minutes. They go and they talk to Arn. And he's Arn again. And he's empty, ruined. All of his scratches and stuff are, 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 they look good now. They're, they're stitched together. Parts of his mouth have clearly ripped open and that's stitched. It's fucking up the way he talks. So he's just like this. Hello, Ed. Hello, Lorraine. How you doing, Arn? You know how I'm doing. I killed her, Ed. It made me watch but I killed her. You don't have to blame yourself. I do have to blame myself. And they have like, you know, that whole thing. It was me. I, I knew it would take me out to the woods. And I ignored what was happening, but I did it. And Lorraine is just like quiet this whole time because she doesn't want to interact with him. And Ed kind of gets a little bit out. And he's like, what was it? Who was it? And he goes, the mother. It was the mother, and I was her youngest child. He's done with me. He's out there too now. I don't believe you, Arn. And then Arn, his head rolls around and he pops his back. Well, that's your first smart move, Ed. Who are you? Ed says, you know, you know who I am. And Panda, youngest. And they just start spitting shit in Latin. Like, I am the youngest of the mother's child. The first to eat. Who are you? Fallen. Lost. Dead already. The boy is mine. He dies with me. Goodbye, Ed Warren. 
<laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. And so like they're like, he can't do anything. And then he just shuts down and just fucking boom, head down. They lead him away. Then they get five minutes with the other thing. And this is Lorraine's time to shine. And all it is is just a piece of skin stretched between like a triangle of sticks that are woven together, you know, wrapped over the top of it. And on it is just that symbol, the same one that she saw from the cloth. And she puts her hand on it. And then she's, you know, and she sees her, she sees Jessica. And the woman's just like looking at her and she goes, well, it's so nice of you to visit, Lorraine. What did you do? I just did what was in my nature. Same as you. We really can't help it, you know. What you do is you see, you touch, you feel, you experience. I bring life into the world. Superior life. Better life. The true life. Let Arn go. Oh, I can't. My children flee the coop. The youngest. My youngest is so pampered. He doesn't really listen to me at all. The others do. And you know, it's all sort of a game to them. Things like this, it's always just a game. Your husband, the boy, you, me even. Pawns and pieces, players on a chessboard so big and so complicated you can't even begin to understand the sides of it. But I think you'll find that your place in the game is going to be quite exhilarating, Lorraine Warren. And then they like have something, maybe just nothing at all. They don't say anything else. She's just standing by her altar. And then the, the four other ones, the four other children come out. <laughs> Slithering, sliding, creeping. One of them just rolling down from the ceiling. Quite exhilarating. And then it's, it ends and Lorraine is just, she's just holding the thing. And she starts to crush in her hand and Ed's, no, no, Lorraine, 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 Lorraine. He sets it, he takes it and sets it down. And then they hold each other's hand for a second. And then they have to come to grips with the fact that they lost. They lost the first time, right? No exorcism, no last-minute save. Six dead in Farmington. The disgraced Warrens at the side of it. No longer will any police people take them seriously, you know? And there's something else in there, something else out there. And that's kind of how it ends. They go out to the car, and they, they're, they're, they're thinking, and, you know, it seems like they're falling apart. But Ed has his burned cross in his hand, right? It's in his necklace. Because the police gave it back to him after they took it off the door after they arrived. And he's holding it in his hand. And Lorraine's opening the door. And he goes, wait. He puts it back on. And he holds it for a second. He, you can see he's just furious. And then when he looks up, he sees, maybe in his mind, maybe for real, a horse looking back at him from the edge of the woods at the end of this long road that's leading away from the police station into the dark. The moon is rising behind them. There's thunder clouds way in the distance. No rain, just that shots of thunder. 
and he watches the horse disappear. Lorraine gives him a long look, and he goes, I'll drive. She goes, are you sure? And let's go to the cross. And it's finally back where it belongs. He, even, he grabs his, his jacket and adjusts it and smiles for the first time since they've been together. He goes, I'm sure. Then they get in, turn on the car, and they drive into the dark inside the woods. Ready to fucking hunt down that bitch, dude. Motherfucking conjuring the devil made me do it part two. How about that? Fucking like and comment below. I cannot believe I've been talking about this that long. Is that an entire movie? I think that's the, I think that's an entire movie. That belongs to me. I don't care if <laughs> I don't care if I if I fan if I fandomed it. Uh, don't don't try to steal that from me for some random reason. <laughs> Blumfeld Productions. I'll sell it to you though. I don't know. That's just what I would do. This is unbelievably long, but I really needed this. I was supposed to be doing drywall all day, and instead I made up a fake movie. God. If you withhold a creative impulse for too long, it really does do that. It is, it just goes hard. So I'm sorry for the extreme length of this episode. I will end it soon. Uh, if you want me to do more script doctors like that, <laughs> which I think are fun because I can just come up with them like super fast. That's all just off the top of my head. Um, I'll do more of them. Maybe I'll, maybe that's what I'll do for the horror and lit club and stuff and in these books and shit more often because uh, that was a very enjoyable exercise to me. I like that I got the entire story out start to finish. Probably a few more scenes I would add in there, in there. Maybe a few more things. Little cuts, you know, like not full sequences. It's easy to do the sequences, but like the cuts are kind of hard to describe. Just like something like, uh, you know, Arn walking around town, scratching himself, just like, Clearly, maybe a little bit drunk, even though he's not supposed to be drinking and just looking down like an alleyway. And there's a few kids like playing hopscotch in the park on the other side of the alley. And one of them stops at the end of the hopscotch thing and looks up at him and Arn looks at the kid and they're just looking at each other for a second. And then that ends, you know, just little bits like that. I'd even do a fucking Marvel post credit stinger for this. And just like... uh Maybe even just do The Exorcist, right? Like, yeah, make just a fake version of the tubular bells. I can't do that right. And uh, just have like the the Warrens pulling up, like in front of like a, a of a of a fucking like. I don't know, a fucking an insane asylum. Like, if we're going to do a fucking, you can do horror and also do corny fucking fun shit too. So like, let's go full action horror or not even full action horror, full whatever the fuck this is and just have them pulling up in front of a, uh, in front of a, a, like a fucking, dude, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Fuck yeah. Pulling up in front of the Trans-Allegheny and just like looking up at it and like, you just see... The lights just going and every time they flash there's a there's somebody standing up in front of a different person and then the the car the the camera zooms down on top of the car and gets closer and it's Lorraine and Ed and they're both very serious looking and then it goes like back away from the car and continued in conjuring the devil made me do it part two a movie that will never exist <laughs> 
Oh, man. Well, I guess I'm about to get back to work for real. And uh, thanks for letting me hang out with you guys and kind of blow off some steam. I know this is an extremely long episode. I really hope you uh, tolerate it, if not enjoy it. I can't do much to cut it down because I don't have time to do that stuff. So um, it is what it is. If you like the content I make and you want to hear more of this stuff, please consider supporting me on Patreon, patreon.com slash westsidefairytales. We need the money. (laughs) Not just to make stuff, but also to uh, make sure that I have livable conditions in my home. And, um, you know, much love to all you guys out there. Thanks for your support. Thanks for letting me do stuff like this. Um, Also, we haven't gotten a lot of uh, new comments or anything on the, um, the various media things so like rate and review us please do a please do some reviews if you got a second just hop on over there crack those out if you got like five or six seconds just be like hey tyler you're 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 a fucking mediocre personality but you know what you make my uh one day a month a little bit easier (laughs) and uh, as always we're on uh we're on twitter at ws fairy tales instagram west side fairy tales on facebook everywhere 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 And uh, with that, as always, until next time, stay safe out there. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small-town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. 
It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning Westside Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast, due for release by Henlo Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.